This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 6.05 and another edition of the opening kickoff is upon us. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday edition. You guys got kids that play Madden, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, and they just running up and down the field against the computer or one of their buddies online. It's kind of what I was watching last night uh, as South Alabama and Southern Miss kind of got after it on a nationally televised game, Lee. It's not often you get to play against a papier-mâché defense. Um, yesterday, you brought up the fact that why, when we do our picks, do I not go into, let's say, a, go into reasons why I pick a team, and that's exactly why, because yesterday, more times than not, I'm way off base, and I said yesterday I thought South Alabama would win, but I was very concerned about the layoff, the nine days. Uh, and they I, and they took that personally. Oh, I got feedback did. from people yeah. all night last and night. So, Tell Shervanian to stick it. Uh, you know, I, I said that they're going to win, but it's not going to be by <laughs> 18 and a half. Wow. In the first quarter, I was dead wrong. In the first quarter, practically. Um, but but to your point, though, right? That's how he even said. Kane even said on the uh, on the on the interview in between quarters with Lauren Sisler that that you know we were in this situation before. So you kind of waited to see if they were going to let up. But he man, he made it a point. He was just not going to put up with that this week. I thought about that, but then after watching that first quarter, I said there's going to be no let up. Southern Miss defense. I guess they were missing a few players according to the broadcasters, but I don't know enough about their defense to know who that was. But I will tell you this. Anybody out there who wants to go on YouTube, take a look at what happened at the end of the Phillies 10-0 win when the fan came out on the field and a security guard leveled him. And I mean leveled him. That guy made a bigger hit than anybody on the Southern Miss defense yesterday because I didn't see any tackling. It was amazing to me. I Only a few times did they stop a jag runner at the line of scrimmage. LaDainian Webb was rushing all over the place. Bullock was. Lee was. Anybody they put in there. They, they were, just kept getting quicker and stronger as, as the running backs just, came out. Exactly. They just kept uh, going through the line and gaining yardage. The uh, some of the things that happened yesterday, first of all, it's the biggest route in South Alabama uh, football history against FBS. And, and what they did, they had over 600 yards compared to Southern Miss was about 150. But 65 of those came on their last drive, which they fumbled away anyway. They didn't have a touchdown. Southern Miss did not. They had one field goal. And the Jags set a new record for first downs. They had 34. They broke the previous record two, day, two weeks ago when they had 32 against ULM. So try this on for size. The Jags have now outscored their last two opponents 110 to 10. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, look, I do think a, lot, a little bit of that, a lot of that is the, the type of opponent they've seen. I, I know some people have kind of referred to this team as a, a Jekyll and Hyde. The idea is to play that type of ball, not necessarily that explosive in that many points, but to play that type of ball against some of the upper echelon teams in the Sun Belt. That's something that they haven't really done. So I'm hoping that this is kind of the, the, the point in the season where they've turned the page 
and and you start to see this high quality type. I mean, man, he was uh, Carter Bradley was perfect. He was like ten of ten before he missed his first one. I think I don't remember exactly what I'm in front of me, but. I think he was like 10 of 11 after the first quarter. I mean, it was just insane numbers. The funny thing about it, too, is he did not have a touchdown pass in the game. Seven rushing touchdowns, and that's all you need to know as to how physical South Alabama was in the trenches. Seven rushing touchdowns to get where they were yesterday in that one-sided win. Uh, so, uh, and we're going to talk to my colleague over at AL.com, Craig Stevenson, in hour number three about the game. But I thought he had an interesting piece, too. Uh, Kane Womack took a little bit of a shot at Southern Miss for the uh, disrespectful billboards around town. I got to be honest, I haven't, I didn't see the, I hadn't seen the billboards. But they put up billboards that, where it said, welcome to Port City. And they scratched out Port and had Hub City, which is what, you know, Hattiesburg is known for, and those were around town. He made it a point at the end of his press conference to point out how uh, disrespectful that is, and and, um, and that type of disrespect. And I quote, "Will quote get your ass kicked on the playground." So I don't know if he used that as motivation for the team, but he certainly, like Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. Kind of, kind of got after Southern Miss there after the game. So. Big win for the Jags, uh, most needed. Uh, It was a statement game for sure. Because, look, Southern Miss, as bad as their record was, the scores didn't indicate by any stretch that they were blown out like they did last night. That was an absolute annihilation. Um, ESPN had to have been rolling their eyes with that score. Well, it was their worst conference loss ever in the Sun Belt for Southern Miss. The other two games that were played last night were actually pretty competitive. Jacksonville State got a field goal at the end of the game to win their game, and they're 6-2, and two, and they're bowl eligible. But unfortunately for them, since they're kind of new to FBS, they have to sit it out. But here's the caveat on that. If putting together the bowl picture, if they fall short of teams, they would consider Jacksonville State. If there's not enough winning teams, I say winning teams, 6-6 six and six or above, to fill the bowl slots, Jacksonville State would be considered. And the other bowl, the other game yesterday was Liberty, and they won an exciting game over Middle Tennessee with a lot of offensive fireworks. And now they're seven and zero this year. Yeah. Uh, so I want to hear from you guys. Anybody had gone to the game? Certainly want to hear from you guys. Tell us how the experience was. It looked like a great atmosphere. It looked like they had a pretty good amount of number of fans there. That wasn't the case at the end of the game for obvious reasons, but. Certainly want to hear from you about the Tuesday night college football experience uh, because it was just, quite frankly, it was an ass-kicking uh, on, on of epic proportions. Yeah, you, you knew, too, that, you know, Kane is an alum of Southern Miss, and, and you wondered, you know, when he would take the foot off the pedal. I know they did use subs, certainly, in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and one of his coaches coached at Southern Miss. So there, there's a strong connection between the two schools. Quite frankly, and I'll be honest about this, I, I didn't see – I saw the Jags winning. I didn't see it like this. I didn't see this any way, shape, or form where they would destroy basically a rival like this on national TV. I did. I called it. I said they'd cover, mostly just to be contrarian to you guys. Yeah, would, right. But it doesn't matter why yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. it doesn't yeah. matter why. Play the tape back. <laughs> you know, as I look over Southern Miss now, I'm not so sure about this. Oh, yeah, I forgot oh, about yeah, that Oh, yeah, you part. forgot about yeah. that. Let me let me revisit this. Maybe How, I, For someone that doesn't remember anything, when you remember all the wrong things. I know. 
Uh, but like South Alabama, like South Alabama had 402 yards in the first half. In the first half, I'm telling you, it was seriously video game numbers. If you guys didn't, didn't I mean, watch it, it, it must nuts. have been like watching Penn State be UMass or something to that effect, uh, because. You never knew that these two teams were in the same league, and 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 it's the fourth straight win for South Alabama. Uh, you mentioned the crowd, Mark. I I looked it up. They said I think they listed about twenty four four fifty or something like that. So just short of a sellout. And uh, what's his name? The the freshman quarterback Lopez, dude. They couldn't catch him. Well, he's the uh, successor. He's the one that's going to take dude, over next year. He was running all over those guys. That guy was nuts. Um. So, yeah, uh, Jags back in action uh, in 10 days uh, against Louisiana. So I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Too long of a layoff. We'll forget about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, maybe don't well go back to that no, one. No, that, that, that's out the window. Maybe maybe well-rested against yeah. Louisiana. Did you catch the game there, Bronner? I, I, so I watched some of it until I realized, well, this, this cover for Southern Miss is out of the window. But <laughs> I, I'm looking at this billboard tweet. So I've, I haven't seen the one that says, welcome to Hub City. This other one, because, again, this tweet comes from South Alabama football saying, you come at our city, you best not miss. This other one, <laughs> this University of Southern Mississippi, a major university experience at a cost comparable to your local university billboard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand you can, I guess, see that as a shot at South Alabama. That billboard has been there. It's on uh, Old Shell and Westmobile by South. It's been there since I've lived here. I, really? I mean, yes. I, I've driven by that billboard probably 150 times. Uh, actually, probably 300 times. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the it's Hub not, City one is new. Uh, but I, I, I know that major university experience billboard. Yeah. I've driven by it a million times. So, I, I don't know. So, it wasn't just put up recently then, is the, what you're saying? One of them certainly was not. I have never seen the Hub City the one. I think the major so university experience one is, uh, first of all, I think there are a number of universities that do that, right? It's just it's just good marketing. It's not necessarily a football one taking a shot at South. The welcome to the Port City with the X, that, that, that screams football. and, and All the sure. trips I've taken up and down Old Shell Road, of course, I'm usually trying to navigate around work that's being done with trucks in the way and taking sure. down trees. I have never seen the billboard. So whereabouts is it? Like uh, Wait, probably around the post office, I would all say, right, all, all, right, all the way yeah. down there by South. Yeah. I've never, I've never. Of course, I try to keep my eyes on the road when I'm driving, and like I said, there's always some kind of construction work going on in Old Shell, so that's what I'm more concerned about. I have to take a look at that. I have never seen the billboard. You hear that billboard, marketers? Lee Shervanian keeps his eye on the road. Try to. Mm -hmm. All right. That's uh, why radio is so important. Coming up, uh, Joe Nyland's going to join us at 7 o'clock. Neil McCrady. Yes. The no, former WNSP yes. personality. Yeah, he's still a personality. It's just oh, he is. doesn't work yeah. WNSP anymore. Anyway, he covers Ole Miss. He's going to join us at 7.30. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide at 8 o'clock. And I mentioned Craig Stevenson at 8.30. we got some giveaways for you as well. Here comes your scoreboard, your weather, and your traffic. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. 
Going with Temple to Webb, and he'll push it right in. Well, Damian Webb, his second touchdown of the night. All right, 623, a little went wrong, if anything, for South Alabama last night, and it's uh, butt kicking of Southern Miss. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee, Braun are all here on the uh, sports station WNSP. The uh, story about Terrell Owens is fascinating to me. You have an altercation on the basketball court, which is, by the way, not the first time this has happened with him. And it's not unusual for him to play basketball because he was a basketball star in college before he shifted to football. But the fact is, after this so-called, whatever you want to call it, altercation or fight or whatever with this man, the guy got in his car and just drove into him and he and he i mean it's not i shouldn't be laughing no but it's, but it's so like random. he didn't even need medical attention i don't get it you know how david green always says when he comes on with his law tip every tuesday if you're in an accident you know get medical attention go to the hospital make sure you're okay terrell owens according to the report he didn't need any medical attention yeah so either uh the guy was worse at driving his car or truck than he was at playing basketball or maybe he just didn't really go at him with the intention of trying to run him down. I don't know. The impression was that he tried to, like, hit him with the car. But maybe Terrell Owens is, like he said, man. Maybe maybe he's ready to play uh, and then give him another shot. Guy can take a hit, clearly. That's the way I'd spin it if I were Terrell Owens. Man, I was on the basketball court. Guy tried to hit me. It's like a mix between white men can't jump and happy Gilmore. Remember when the dude drove out on the fairway to try to hit Gilmore? Dude just gets up and keeps playing. Kind of feel like this is what happened with Terrell Owens, but Terrell Owens at like 930 at night out there balling on the blacktop uh, and getting in a fight with people. No charges have been leveled, but they're investigating. They can't find the guy, right? Last I saw, um, I think they were, they still haven't, the guy wasn't in custody. So, Well, it, I would, if they finally get him, there's got to be some charges, obviously driving a motor vehicle into somebody, hit and run. It was a, it was a block charge kind of speaking thing. about injury shane beamer made the news uh <laughs> he's got a broken foot beamer yeah. in the loss to florida got so frustrated he kicked an object but i didn't see did he did not say what he yeah kicked. what he kicked and he said it was out of frustration he blamed himself for the loss he wasn't frustrated with his players they lost 41 to 39 and he has a broken foot now yeah i don't i don't know uh it would have been now I'm a little disappointed in the South Carolina media because he brought it up himself because he's like, look, y'all are going to ask me why I'm limping around the whole deal, so let me just get it out the way. And so he wanted to ask the AD, Ray Tanner, if that was okay, and apparently dude just started cackling, just laughing at him. So he's like, yeah, I didn't get a whole lot of support there. But I'm a little disappointed in the media. The obvious follow-up question is, would you kick? Hmm. But he did not uh, He did not say exactly. I was curious myself. I mean, was it on the field he kicked something, or did he do it in the locker room afterwards? i got to believe it was in the locker room. I don't know. I mean, I've read many baseball stories about players who get frustrated. They take the bat and smash the water cooler. or Poor water cooler. What they ever do? Uh, Paul O'Neill used to make a habit of that. And then <laughs> some of them, after uh, things go bad, will come back and take their fist and pound the wall and wind up with a broken hand. Yeah, that's, that's generally what you hear. Somebody punches a wall or a blackboard or something. Kind of souring on Frank Beamer a little bit. Or Frank Beamer. Shane Beamer a little bit. <laughs> Why well, he's just not getting it done for you? Well, I don't know how good of a coach he is, but he's he might be entering that not very likable category. He's he's kind of annoying. And yet last year he was right at the top <laughs> of the likable coaches. Yeah, I mean there was 
if you remember that thing week one with the the hot dog comment after his team got smoked, now this, uh, I don't know. Well, let, let me it's an odd let guy. me throw this out. Is it almost impossible for a coach to say to be likable throughout his career? Sooner yeah. or later, something's going to happen after a loss or something like that. I remember last year. And this was after Shane Beamer was being uh, applauded by most media people, fun guy to interview. His interviews were terrific, somebody you really like to sit down and talk football with. But then he jumped all over a, a, a reporter in the locker room uh, who happened to be a friend of mine. And, you know, that made news. That was the first time I saw the first dent in his armor. And then I think there was something else that happened last year, and now you have this. But, you know... I, I can forgive a guy for being frustrated now as far as I thought his comments were kind of funny. Like he hopes that he doesn't come up with some stupid play coming up because he might be on some kind of meds or something like that. Which, yeah, he uh, wasn't going to take painkillers because he didn't want it to impact his coaching, which was kind of funny. Although to, to, to Bronner's point, maybe it might help at this point. But here's the thing. Have, has, can you all – is there a football – a college football coach out there that we've liked that you've never had a problem with from start to finish of his career, or someone in the midst of his career that no one's ever had a problem with, like that we talk about on a daily basis. People have either loved or hate Nick Saban, I think, right? People either loved or hate, like, Lane Kiffin, or Hugh Freeze, or Steve Spurrier, or certainly Urban Meyer. I would for me, I've always liked Steve Spurrier. I, I've just, you know, in the times I've met him and talked to him and— I know, I know other coaches, you know, obviously they're going to have their issues with him. Some of the things he said about Florida State and Tennessee and things like that. And, But I've always liked Steve Spur. Now, that's not to say other coaches, you know, would join with me. But I don't know if there's been a coach. Vince Dooley? Well, that goes so far back, though. Yeah. I don't. We, we weren't around for most of that. Would Vince Dooley be the type? Yeah. So is there a coach that is currently coaching who is universally liked? Regardless of... Of the outcome of his I games. don't think so. We'll talk about it. Let's see what you guys come up with. It's up in the app at WNSP.com. we got to get to this Julio Jones thing, too. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Hey, let's get one of you guys qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party. It's a little thing we call naming it. That's right. We're going to play a, a video or audio of person, place, or thing. You have to be the first one to get Michael on the phone and then express to us exactly what is heard in said video. All right, Mr. Bronner, hit it. All right. There you go. Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta be like some of those other guys and just be like, "Yo, DJ, spin that stuff." Anyway, while you we load ask up, me some, what it, you yeah. asked me what I thought it was. Well, what? I couldn't really uh, identify it. Like I was gonna joke around and say, "Well, that's what happens when I go into the dental chair at Dr. Malenix's office." But since I'm asleep, I don't know what sounds are coming out, so I can't really say that. But I can say this: the next morning, after my dental implants were done by. Dr. Christopher Mullenix at Mobile Oral Facial Surgery. Good news for me. 
no pain and very little discomfort. And I know you've heard me say that. The shirts are not out yet, but um, it's true. Again, I've, I've said this on the air that my first time years ago, I was told to get pain medicine. I took like one sip the next day, and that was it. It's still there. Maybe I should throw it out now. It's probably outdated. But nevertheless, I certainly recommend if you have any need for an oral surgeon, whether it be jaw surgery, whether it be dental implants, wisdom teeth, that you make an appointment with Dr. Christopher Mullenix at 471-3381, located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. Mobile or on facial surgery is our title sponsor for our game day. And later this week, Mark and I and uh, Air Sports One will be out at Daphne High School. All right, so you heard the audio. It is now time to identify said audio for a shot at the Alec Naiman Catering Party. We go to the phones with our first caller of the day who is going to knock it out of the park. Go ahead. Who are we talking to? It's Tom. Tom, tell us what that was. That is kind of like an old-timey typewriter. That is incorrect, Tommy. We appreciate the call. We go to caller number two. It's not a typewriter, although that's not a bad idea uh, for a future one. Go ahead, caller. Hello? Yep, you're on. Go ahead. Uh, hey, this is a nail gun. It is indeed a nail gun. Who are we talking to? This is Steve. Steve, congratulations, sir. You are now qualified. Stay on the line. Uh, Michael will get your your information, and uh, you will be the qualifier for today's uh, edition of Naming It. It was, a, it was a nail gun, Lee. I should have known that. Ma- made famous in uh, the Lethal Weapon series when Danny Glover uh, had to use one to... Ward off a enemy of the state. Never used one, have you ever? I've never uh, had that. Yeah, I think so. I never have. Yeah. I was giving some thought to, is there ever been a coach out there who, right from the start to the finish, was considered very likable without any issues between that? Can we include a pro coach or you just want to stay college? Sure. I think John Harbaugh would fit that. From, er- from the times I've had him on the air – to reports about him at Baltimore, the fact that he's lasted this long, I would say he would he would fit that. Uh, he's he's a pretty nice guy, unlike his brother, who can be kind of surly. surly. Yes, it's kind of surly. Uh, Mark Mark Richt got a vote. Mac Brown and Richie Riley <laughs> were uh, coaches. You laughed. You you disagree or? Oh, I laughed at Richie Riley. You don't think he's likable? No, I do. But oh. I thought we were in the category of football. Yeah, well. Someone someone called and said Andy Reid. I guess that's getting um, out of the category of college football, but it'd be fair to say someone said also same caller said Dick Vermeil, getting older, but Mark Rick certainly is right up there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mark Rick. Who was the other one you mentioned? Along Mac with Brown. The, Mac Brown. Yeah. I'd I'd go along with that. But I people, haven't, I people haven't at heard Georgia any. didn't like Mark Rick early. Remember he had all those gaffes with the with the play calling and the time management they were they they lost multiple games because oh, uh, they couldn't manage okay the but clock. i'm talking about him off the field as well as on the field you know that you may not agree with what they did on the field and, and no coach will ever come away with being perfect in the eyes of the fan base because you're going to lose a game here and there but i'm talking about just being likable mark rick was a very likable person mm. you didn't hear much or any dirt about him off the field. No, no. That that's my point. That's what I'm looking at. Obviously, you're going to find fault with coaches all the time. That that happens all the time. Right. Now. Well, that, that's kind of the point of the conversation. Is like who is held in such a high regard, regardless of er, any and everything going on. 
Uh, there's always going to be complaint about coaches. Um, now, again, getting away from the, the, the wins and losses – and, 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 of course, we're, it's closer to home with us, but, you know, Kane Womack's a, a very enjoyable guy to talk to and on the air. And, uh, you know, as far as I know, there's been no issues with him either way and, uh, you know, off the field and, and so forth. Now, obviously, you know, there's games there that if you want to, you know, poke around and see, well, he could have done this or that as a coach. But as far as being likable, very likable. A lot of, a lot of love for Mike Leach right now in the app. Bobby Bowden got a vote. I'm not sure. Now people loved Bobby. I, I, I'm not going to say anything against Mike Leach, obviously, since he passed away. But there were obviously, you know, issues at Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Bobby Bowden's a very good choice, Mark. Very, very good choice. You think? Yes. Everybody always used to like him back in the. Yeah. As a as a person, as a person. Hmm. Did you ever meet him? Personally, I did, and not to say that so. one time meeting with him. You know, changed my way of thinking, but I'm just saying you didn't hear about him bad mouthing people or did he ever did he ever say anything against Florida like Spurrier did against Florida State with the free shoes and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've got to believe he did, and nothing comes to mind because Spurrier was kind of larger than life in, in that he regard. Um, now, over time, I think that kind of softened, but um, I don't know. I don't know if he had any zingers. Actually, I think he won. More times against Spurrier than he lost. I think you're right. I just finished the Spurrier autobiography, and I believe that's true. Spurrier, actually, there was a chapter there to his famous quotes, and he he did it, obviously— to be funny, you know, Steve Spurrier is a very cocky individual, I, and I enjoyed him when I used to go to the SEC media days because he carried this air of arrogance about him, but he wasn't a mean person. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't surly with the media at times. Now, he did have his issues at South Carolina. Remember when he barred a TV reporter or was it a, a, just a reporter, and he said, I'm not talking to anybody here as long as this guy is here? So he did have his issues uh, now and then. Uh, all right, you guys can get in on that. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Nyland coming up at 7 o'clock. What about uh, what do y'all think of uh, the Eagles acquiring the one and only Julio Jones? Good move. Yeah, I'm glad he's back. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be much of a help. I mean, the strong gets stronger. I don't know what his issues are now with his knee and everything. Obviously, he didn't do much with Tennessee, but I just don't they know had if he's an got injury left in the tank. Well, they and you might be right. They had an injury to a receiver, so I I'm just glad because we know of him, and I'm happy for him that he's getting another opportunity. But you're right. And that's going to be like uh, there's, there's so many Alabama players now with Hurts, and you got Smith, and now you got Julio Jones. I, I mean, I, I don't even know if he's going to play that much because they do really have good receivers on that team. Don't forget Brown is on that team also. So I don't know if there's going to be opportunities, but he gives them some depth. And, and again, I don't know what his health status is regarding his knees. Cutcliffe, good example on the app as well. Uh, Very good choice. Yeah, I don't really see the point. Of this, really, from either side. Uh, I mean, what, what what is what's Julio doing? Go go home. I I, I don't know. Why, what what are we doing here? I mean, he was he was bad in Tennessee. It is what it is. Uh, he's one of the was best. Was he receivers bad, of all or time. was the play, or was it? The well, he's done. I mean, he's got he's got nothing left. He wasn't good his last couple of years in Atlanta either. I mean, he's like a top five, seven, eight, whatever number you want to put on it, receiver of all time. Uh, he's he's one. He's certainly. 
you could argue the best receiver of of this generation but he's done he's got nothing left uh, I don't really see the point of I mean if he just loves football that much and wants to be on a team and you know sure I think it is a practice squad spot for now by the way uh so I, I just I don't really get it from his perspective what the point is but well I have to I'm not going to say I disagree in a sense, but it's just because having met him many times and, you know, my allegiance to local players in this area, I hope he gets an opportunity, maybe makes a catch or two. Um, and, you know, we get a chance to talk a little bit more about him. It'd be great to see him in a, in a game down the road if he against Dallas or something like that, and he comes up with a key catch or not. But again, I don't know if he's got much left in the tank either. I just wish him well, because like I said, this guy was a man child. I don't think Michael having been broadcasting high school football when you were still in diapers, I, um, which was last week. I might add, <laughs> I, Michael, I, I don't, saw him. I saw him when I when I first came here and started broadcasting some of his games. I don't think I've ever seen a high school athlete, a men among boys like uh, Julio Jones. And, and you may have, you know, you may see such players like that, but it was just he was just incredible. And I'll never forget. I, I was uh, I used to do the high school players at the first and ten club. And Julio was my player of the week. And I asked him, I said, Julio, uh, before we, I introduced him. I said, you know, everybody's saying, you know, you're, where you're going to wind up going, and obviously Alabama was foremost. I said, Julio, just do me a favor. If when you go up there, just tell everybody you're you're going to attend South Alabama. And he did. He did say it, and it obviously, <laughs> obviously, it was just a joke and everything. <laughs> but it, it it caught the attention of the people in the audience. That's a good story. Yeah, I like Julio. I I have nothing negative to say. I mean, he's. He's phenomenal. He's like I said, he's one of the best receivers of all time. I just in the year of 2023, it's just, you know, kind of what are we doing, you know? Uh, let's see. Against ten, in, ten, in Tampa Bay, let me try that again. In Tampa Bay, he played 10 games. In Tennessee, he played 10 games. Last year in Atlanta, he played 9 games. Now in 2019, he played 15 of the si of 16 and then in he's in Tampa Bay last year, correct? Uh yeah, in 22, yeah. I remember, I think in the opening game of the season, he made like a long catch. It was like, oh, Julio still got something left. And then he, he had 24 he catches last year. Um, and, and I'll say this, too, that for any Alabama fan, there's got to be a warm spot in your heart no matter what happens from here on in because I don't think anybody, anybody denies the fact he was the kingpin when it came to the resurgence of Alabama with Nick Saban. And I know this story has been – tried and tested over the years and nick would be one of the first to tell you his main goal when he took over was to get the verbal from julio jones and that kind of opened up the door for those really great recruiting classes early on when he when saban got the job in 2019 was really the last year of significant like production from julio jones i mean dude was targeted like more than 150 times for atlanta he had over a thousand yards receiving and then it dropped off dramatically that last year like bronner was talking in atlanta and then in tennessee like his his production has gone down significantly each time like in atlanta in that in in in, in 19 he was targeted 150 something times the following year it was only 66 times he was targeted that's over a span of the nine games he played now I know injuries played a big part in that, but when he got to Tennessee, he was only targeted 48 times. 48 times in 10 games, and he's, as you point out, and I'm not disputing this, 
potentially the greatest receiver of a generation. And then and then it was even less in Tampa Bay. So realistically, if you were to see the field, especially with all the weapons that that team has, legitimately, is, he, he's he's is he, how much is he going to be able to contribute? Is he a first time Hall of Famer, first ballot oh, Hall yeah. of Famer? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And if that happens, he becomes the second from Foley High School, obviously with Kenny Stabler in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So uh, you guys can get in on that conversation. Um, in the app, would you rather play one year too long or regret not playing long enough? Most athletes will choose to play too long, at least you know. Um, it's a great question. Um, Barry Sanders comes to mind as a guy that left too early. Uh, Jim Brown left too early. I felt like John Elway, and certainly John Elway seemed to leave at the right time. He did. Peyton Manning, I think, just got in on the right time, only because he ended the way he wanted to, but it was it was a struggle there at the end for him. Um, and we've talked to athletes on this station, and they will tell you it is very hard to leave the game. And that's why you see a lot of these athletes uh, try to stick on because – you leave the game, what's out there, yeah. okay? I mean, the camaraderie, the locker room. Uh, we've talked to athletes who get very depressed because, okay, now I'm out here. W what's going to happen next? And unless you have a game plan or you've been, let's say, while you've been playing, uh, mapping out your future. So I can understand why it's tough to get the game out of your system. Yeah, the only downside, and people are talking about how Megatron was a better receiver than uh, than Julio Jones. Andrew Luck was a guy that uh, TJ pointed out in the app left too early. I think you have to judge, yeah, because they're so competitive, do they regret not staying longer when they're at the top of the game? I think the answer is yes, but does that outweigh the idea that you can't perform to the standard that you're used to performing when you're going out there? Meaning, would you rather have some left in the tank and not play or go out there and embarrass isn't the right word, but but play in a way that you're not typically remembered for. I think that would be as frustrating for a for an athlete. Well, I go back. Johnny United stayed too long. Joe Namath, but yet we still remember they were great quarterbacks. And it's not really brought up of the fact that you know when Namath went to what was it the uh, Rams or so, and that just didn't last. And United went to the Chargers after a great career. So. I would, to me, no, it does not diminish what you've done. Um, maybe other people disagree with that, but I think the fact of the matter, it's the body of work, not what happened in your last season or two. And I think what's happened with Tom Brady, the way he has continued to play until he was 45, it's kind of changed the narrative on this now. And here's Aaron Rodgers, who's, what, 39 or 40, still contending that he's going to come back and continue to play. You know, back in the day, you got to be 35, 36 People thought you were washed up. I don't know. What is Julio? Does it say what age he is? Uh, Julio, I can find out his age. And obviously, if he's still having issues with his He's knee, 34. Well, that's a young age. Not for a wide receiver. It's not. Yeah, it's kind of old for a receiver. That's like that's like being 70 in radio years. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap up hour number one next here. You guys can jump in. Joe Nyland's going to join us at the top of the hour, two, which also includes Neil McCready. 
He will join us to talk some Ole Miss uh, as they prepare for Auburn. Chris Stewart, hour number three. Craig Stevenson on the Jags. They put on an ass-kicking last night of epic proportions. Those are uh, some pretty that good guests. getting uh, pretty, a lot of use, that word, ass. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Saban. Kane. You. I'm a follower, man. I just, I just... Just mimic what they're doing. All right, wrapping up hour number one next. Stay with us right here at the Sports Station WNSP. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Right. And Redmond throwing over the middle, and Julio Jones with the carries. Going to score two touchdowns in 57 seconds as Julio Jones makes the catch. Down to the Bears, 26. All right, it's 6.55. So I know the debate, somebody put in the app that Megatron was the better receiver of the of a generation, Calvin Johnson. Uh, and I can tell by the app that this was a conversation you guys probably had yesterday in the afternoon, too. Is it possible? I think Calvin Johnson would kind of be like, a, like I, the way I talk about Shaquille O'Neal at center. Was Shaquille O'Neal like the best basketball player to ever play center? No, but he was the most dominant, I always say, because of his size and his brute strength and, and the way he could run the floor. And people just wouldn't get in his way, especially right in, in, in his career. Didn't necessarily mean he was the most polished or the best basketball player. I might say the same thing about Calvin Johnson. Dude could catch. Dude was just a freak when it came to uh, like the physicality of the sport. He was just bigger and faster and stronger and athletic. But I think like when you come to like the route running and these in the in the ability to go inside and outside across the middle. I don't know, I think Julio uh I think Julio might have the slight edge there. The difference if that makes be- sense. The difference between Shaq and Megatron, Shaq played with winners for the most part, won championships. Megatron was kind of lost in the futility of the Detroit Lions. They went nowhere. They were a terrible franchise. They had very poor leadership. And whereas people might see him here and there on a highlight, they never saw him when it counted in postseason. Shaq, of course, had uh, went to the uh, when he was with his first team, Orlando. They went to the championship round. Obviously, won some titles with the Lakers before the breakup with Kobe and so forth. So the breakup. He gets a little more, <laughs> you know, attention. Whether you know, again, it's tough for me to say one was better than the other. Um, I, I would think Calvin's going to be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer too. Had a great career. And there's another guy that left the game maybe a little too soon. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on that on that comparison the uh, the Calvin Johnson the Julio Jones yeah I, I saw that in the app yesterday I I mean Calvin Johnson he played five more years it probably could firmly be uh, the greatest NFL receiver of all time Calvin Johnson is better than Julio Jones I I thought that was kind of a ridiculous debate yesterday and kind of a ridiculous argument to say Julio Jones is better than Calvin Johnson Calvin Johnson is really the most dominant NFL wide receiver of all time, definitely since Jerry Rice. Uh, so more so than Moss, right? Right in that same category, at least at the at the minimum. Fair so enough. you know, at, at that point, you're you're getting into a real semantics argument. But I mean, Julio was the first guy to even broach that category, I guess. But 
no, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't nearly like that. That being said, there's two different conversations going on in the apps. Like, is Julio a first ballot Hall of Famer? I, I guess you can make the case that like whether he's a first, second, third, I I don't know, but I. The conversation going on in the app as to whether he's a Hall of Famer at all. I mean, you are nuts if you think he's not a Hall of Famer at all. And then someone brought up Antonio Brown as well. Same thing. Antonio Brown, the fact, yeah, he went nuts here in the last couple of years. Literally. Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, since Calvin Johnson, are the two best receivers of this generation of the NFL. I think they're both Hall of Fame NFL wide receivers, without a doubt. I don't think Brown's going to get in very early because of the shenanigans going on now. He might not get in at all, but just football, you know, looking at his football resume, he's one of the best NFL receivers of all time. He's probably top 15 of all time. He was with Pittsburgh. After that, I would say his career really fell off the cliff. (sighs) Because not not because he didn't have the ability. Just man. because he was a head case. Man man gets hot during a game and takes off his jersey and his shoulder pads and forever labeled a troublemaker. Well, could have been if... Uh... Oh, he's still in the news. Uh, there's another. There was another story about him the other day, but I've just given up uh, looking at stories about him because you know it's not going to be anything good. The Patriots kept them for more than one game in 2019. Who knows? Brady might have still been a Patriot. Patriots would have won the Super Bowl in 2019. There's one glorious game in Miami, though. He scored a touchdown. Oh, you're so far off base on that. Wow. Okay. Why? Because of the Kraft-Belichick dilemma about keeping Brady. I think it was also about offensive weapons, but we can get into that later if you want. If Belichick had reached out to Brady, things could have been different. Joe Nyland next. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, it's 7.05, hour number two. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff, uh, just cruising along here on a Wednesday. Well, a big thank you to the South Alabama football team because with that route, and once I had the feeling that the way Southern Miss is getting back in that game, you know, one of the, the faults was South in a few games getting off to a slow start. And that was not the case yesterday. They just took the ball immediately on the opening kickoff, drove down the field, and before you know it, they were up 7 nothing. Then it was 14 to nothing. Ole Miss on offense couldn't get anything going. Final score, 55-3. to uh, Almost 25,000 fans showed up for the game, according to what I read in the notes. And for South Alabama, it is their biggest margin of victory, biggest gap ever. And they broke the record, which was set two weeks ago, Mark, for first downs. They went from 32 two weeks ago to 34 yesterday. Southern Miss had a total of about 160 yards, but 65 of those came on their last drive, and they they fumbled the ball away. So really a devastating win for the Jags following the big win over ULM. fact that there was nine or ten days in between didn't matter at all, and they went on. And now they'll have what I think you said a ten-day rest before they get Louisiana coming in for a home game. And let's hope this thing carries over now and they can become a contender in the uh, Sun Belt West. Yeah, so uh, we spent a lot of hour, number one, talking about just an utter just ass-kicking uh, of epic proportions. I mean, I don't know how many of y'all saw any of that, but it, it wasn't close from the get-go. 
uh, South looked to be the more physical, the quicker, the faster. Uh, man, they beat them in every in every way possible. Uh, and of course, uh, really interesting is Kane Womack made a point to call out Southern Miss for their billboards here, called them disrespectful, said that's what happens. Uh, um, you put billboards up like that in Mobile and you'll get your ass kicked on the playground, which I thought was a great quote. But there is a there. I haven't seen the billboard, but there's one that says welcome to the port city and port is X'd out almost like it was spray painted over with the word hub for hub city, which is what Hattiesburg is known for. So uh, to say Southern Miss got absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> well, when we get him hammered. on next week, he's usually every, every other Monday and he's an alum of the school. And you know how schools keep coming after you for alumni funds. I wonder if there's down the road, if. If he's contributed at all to their alumni fund, because maybe that's where the money was going for to set up these billboards. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys want to get in on that, you can. We've talked a lot about Julio Jones. Uh, something else that came up. <clears throat> Caleb Williams back in the news. Did you see this story? I know uh, Bronner has. Caleb Williams wants part ownership of the NFL franchise that drafts him. I want to, I wanted the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Doesn't mean we'll get it, but so when he is drafted, whether it's one or two, uh, is that is that he gonna his agent gonna seek that out in the contract that he gets part ownership? Apparently, they've been telling teams that. I have already. a feeling that's not gonna happen. I'm so out on this guy, man. I have a feeling that's not gonna happen. Now, if you want to go about it the proper way, like a Magic Johnson who certainly is very much involved now with teams, the Dodgers, um, some of the other teams he's been associated with, just building up his financial empire, that's a way to go about it. But just to come out and say, I'm not going to sign with you unless you give me part ownership, he may not be playing uh, in the NFL next year. Yeah, Magic Johnson's also one of the 10 best players in the NBA history. Caleb Williams hasn't taken a snap. And by the way, this news comes out on the heels of his worst game in college in his college career so far. He was terrible you on know Saturday. What, it does, he stinks. I don't have a problem with somebody <laughs> shooting for the moon, okay? I really don't. I mean, it's one thing. You know, it's, it's okay to come out and say, you know, is he saying he wants it immediately or down the road? I, I think the idea is that the team that drafts him, part yeah. of the contract is part ownership. Part of the part of the compensation. So can you imagine? Let's go back now. Last year, let's look at the quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round. Uh, the Panthers drafted Bryce Young. They haven't won a game yet. And you know what if these quarterbacks had sought out like ownership, uh, minority ownership, or whatever? Anthony Richardson, his career is very much up in the air. And I said this many times. The guy that sat in that chair, Michael, he, mm. he claimed he was going to be all-world. I had a problem with Anthony Richardson going so early, not because of his ability, but the fact that he, he was very injury-prone and hadn't played that many games. Now there's talk do, with the fact that Richardson may be out for the year. Do the Colts have to look in another direction because of the fact that he can't stay on the field? All right, so you certainly wouldn't want to give him ownership rights, right? Uh, C.J. Stroud's gotten off to a decent start. I like C.J. Stroud. He's gotten off to a good start. They're three and three. Uh, rookie coach, rookie quarterback, very much like Carolina. And the other guy that went was uh, what Levis. I don't even know if he's played. He hasn't. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, if any of these guys deserve any kind of ownership, absolutely not. I'll go hand up on uh, on C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I was. I wasn't all that 
interested or intrigued by him pre-draft. And so far, he's been by far the best of them. Uh, I, I still think there's plenty of time, obviously, for Bryce to figure it out. He's on the worst team in the league and six games into his rookie year. But Stroud's been really impressive. You know, it's, it's funny how a, uh, the narrative has kind of shifted. Obviously, the Texans were one of the worst teams in the league this year. Now it's, you know, you kind of throw out the, oh, well, C.J. Stroud has more help than Bryce Young. Well, the Texans kind of look like a competent football team because C.J. Stroud makes them look like a competent football team. It's funny how well, they had good more quarterback pieces. play helps. They had they more do, pieces. But, I mean, they, had, they had more pieces in place. They had the really good running back in Pierce. They had others, you know, I don't know much about the offensive line because that changes so much. But it seemed to me the Texans were on the verge of being a decent team. Not a great team, but a decent team. It's also a rookie head coach versus a you know an offensive-minded guy who has been in the league for a long time. It's like, would, it, would anyone before the season have been completely sure that the Texans were going to be better than the— Again, the Panthers were picking ninth. Remember, they traded up to first. The Texans had a higher pick than the Panthers. It's not like the Panthers were better than the Texans And last here's year. the other issue. Who really wanted Bryce Young? Was it the owner or the head coach? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's um, the other thing, too. Was it the owner who ruled over the head coach? And I'm not putting, you know, Bryce on. I'd, I don't think it's really fair to start a rookie quarterback right off the bat. I, I personally, I guess this goes from, you know, watching – uh, quarterbacks, you, you, it doesn't hurt to stay on the sideline and watch, maybe come in late in the game or something like that to get your feet wet because they're not a very good team anyway. So he's not playing with a really, really good team. They've been the competitive, but they just haven't won a game yet. Back on uh, Caleb, man, I mean, if if that's not a red flag, I, I don't know what is. I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm not fully out. I think he's – probably going to be a good quarterback but as for this like generational pro generational can't miss like sure thing prospect i think i'm out on that man he was he was bad on how about Saturday. This? well how about the people around caleb that's putting this idea in his head like, like bro what, when we go to sign do let's get part of the team that would be awesome how about this like, dude who, who do either that? do either of you feel that down the road and this has been reported to rumored that let's say the Chicago Bears, for instance, and I'm only using them as an example. It, it may not even they may not even have the first pick, but let's say they did, and obviously their coach is kind of iffy. Do you make a deal to bring in Lincoln Riley and the quarterback Caleb Williams if you have that first pick to bring in a tandem of Lincoln I, Riley and Caleb Williams? I'm not sold on Lincoln Riley either. Yeah, I said this right at the end of the show yesterday, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about. It. I think Lincoln Riley is a complete and utter fraud frankly i don't think he's a, a fraud a, a fraud a complete and utter fraud well then he should be arrested well <laughs> i don't know if it's a crime to be a fraud but it's certainly a i, uh, I wouldn't go that far he's Michael. not a good football coach lee he's never had a good defense he's had good quarterbacks obviously uh he's been handed good court he shows no interest in building so a good does defense. he fall under the category of great offensive coordinator but not great head coach i guess i mean He's a good offensive mind. He's kind of just like Cliff Kingsbury. He, he can't be an NFL head coach. Come on. Well, I mean, he shows literally zero interest in building an even somewhat respectable defense. It's, it's, it's pathetic. That team will never make – well, I guess they might make a college football playoff when it expands to 12 teams. They will never win anything meaningful at USC. Lincoln, I'm so done with Lincoln Riley. It's time to acknowledge the fact that Lincoln Riley is an – incredibly overrated head coach who's had some great quarterbacks. All right. I can't disagree with you. I 
I can't get over the disdain <laughs> that Michael Bronner has for, for, for individual personalities. Yeah, right. Exactly. In I don't like Southern He's California. He's terrible. He doesn't like He's anybody. The worst. I don't like Southern like California, anybody. to be honest with you. But you don't like, like Southern Cal or who? Southern. I don't like Southern Cal. You I, just don't. I just don't. I just got don't one of the like great it. fight songs in the I, uh, in the and country. Just don't and the horse and then with the good mascot. And then this comes out about Caleb this week and Lincoln Riley's kind of being exposed as a complete fraud. I'm taking this week to dunk on him. Fine. Boy, when we're Fair. down at Senior Bowl headquarters and they trot out these Senior Bowl people uh, the, from Southern Cal, I hope you're kind to is them. Is there is there anybody that isn't a fraud? In, in sports or terrible? <laughs> mm. I don't like Brian Kelly, but I think he's a good coach. But he's not a fraud. No, I don't think he's a fraud. I think he's a good coach. That defense, but he doesn't have a good defense. How about Dabo? So he's a, how different is he from uh, from your guy over at USC right now? I mean, both defenses are terrible. Well, one, I think LSU is still better, believe, <laughs> believe it or not, by a lot. They play uh, each other to open up the season next year. Do you know oh, that? Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's in Vegas, too. <laughs> it's it's going to be a you, points points fiesta. We, we need you to cover that game for us. <laughs> I don't like – I don't hate LSU as much as a lot of Alabama. I don't like LSU by any means, but they're pretty low on the list of what teams team, I hate. We got to take a break here, but what team other than Alabama or New England – let's just stay in college. What, what team do you like in college that doesn't wear crimson – or white. Uh, you just hate everybody. I wouldn't say I hate everybody. You just don't like anybody else. Mississippi State. Because you know you can beat them every week. They're, every they're not very threatening. Don't they wear crimson? So wear you don't like anybody that's threatening to you? No, I mean, it's not a matter of being So do you not like Triple G? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. South Alabama? Oh, I love South. Okay. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, there you go, there South. You go. I found not, not threatening to the no, tide. No, not threatening. I okay. like South. Hey, I, I was thinking when I was asked this question, we're running out of time. South Alabama playing at the top of their game yesterday. Could they beat Auburn t- Auburn's team today? I, I I think it'd be a game. I at was thinking minimum, that. I think was I'm watching them. Could they beat the Auburn team of today, the, the one they got out there now? Ooh, think about it. I don't know. We'll have to give that yeah, one some of, thought. Give some thought on that. All right. Well, uh, you know what? We'll ask Craig that question at 830 when we talk to him, too. Good point. He's seen both teams. Yeah. I do like Triple G, by the way. That was, that was a joke. But you're threatened by him. No, I'm not threatened by him. I think you are. I think you're backpedaling. I'll say this. I would bet my money on Michael being a better high school play-by-play announcer than Triple G. Listen, guys, the ball's on the, you know, the the 25. Listen, it's going to be a great play. I'm telling y'all, telling you, here comes the snap, y'all. Not much to be threatened by there. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather next. Stay with us. Second and 10. SC needs points for the conclusion of this first half. Williams, pressured, retreats, and now he throws it left. It's Benjamin Morrison who rises. All right, 7:24. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Mark Lee and Bronner all in the studios of WNSP. All right, we have Dr. Uh, James Spires from Premier Medical on the line with us right now. Good morning, uh, Dr. Spires. How are you this morning? Doing great, Lee. How are you? Wonderful. Okay, the last time we had you on, we talked about COVID. Is the situation with COVID getting better in the greater Mobile area as far as dealing with patients and and so forth? Yeah, in my experience in my office, we were seeing a ton of it about a month ago. It seemed like everybody 
uh, had the cough, sore throat, uh, you know, upper upper respiratory type stuff. The cough not as much and some fever, but that's all died down a lot. So we're not seeing near as much as we did a month ago. It's again, really seemed to slow down lately. Do you recommend shots or no? I, I generally am not recommending shots for my patients unless they got tremendous other medical problems. All right, let's go to the other uh, avenue where we talked to you about, and that's uh, about in Wyoming and a message for duck hunters. Oh, yes. We've, uh, we've got a place at 157outfitters.com in southeast Wyoming. Matter of fact, I was just up there the other day, and uh, we were uh, they have kind of an early duck season. We were shooting some ducks and geese and uh, actually antelope, elk, and deer. We shot, we shot, quite, a, shot quite a mixed bag. But we have hunts, uh, really Cadillac hunts. They're three-day hunts. Uh, you stay four days. We, we, it's a turnkey thing. We provide everything. It's like the sandals, sandals vacations or whatever. It's all-inclusive. You just pay for your night meals. Uh, or your meals, uh, but we provide the uh, lodging uh, for three, uh, four nights, hunting for three days. We supply the guides, uh, and I've hunted all over the world. It's such a hassle to bring guns and ammo, so we provide all the guns, all the ammo. All uh, we hunt underground uh, in pits that are built, that are heated. They have black stones so you can cook breakfast while you're uh, hunting. They're 70 degrees underground. Uh, it's just a great hunt. Uh, it's First class, as good a hunt and, and, and nice a lodging as you can get. Uh, and it's very easy flights to Denver, uh, round trip from, there's a lot of places round trip from Pensacola, you fly for $180 to Denver. So uh, it's, the uh, hunts are very, very reasonable. If you go to 157outfitters.com, uh, you can see the, uh, uh, all the outlay of the hunts and what's included. But it's, it's, the ducks and geese are already starting to come in. And we do have some openings this year in January and a couple left in uh, uh, December, and we have some in February. So we can, uh, we can tailor to your needs, and we have big screen TVs to watch football during the day. So you're in good shape. Can't thank you enough, Dr. Spires. Premier Medical, that's how you can reach Dr. Spires if you have any medical issues. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. 157outfitters.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. You should do that. You should go out there and experience that. I, it'd be like, you guys, you know I'm a big movie. Here's my movie reference for today. It'd be like when Owen Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn went hunting in Wedding Crashers. Remember when they you, went quail hunting? Want, do you want me just How to go out there? How funny would that be? I wouldn't mind going out there just to be a spectator, but I'm not going out there to shoot a weapon. Lee, what if we went together? I wouldn't mind that. You're, you're a good guy to be with, yeah. All but right. I'm still not going to shoot the gun. Why not? Why? Many, many years ago, oh, before <laughs> before you were in diapers, before. I was at a, I guess it was a Boy Scout camp, and they they had us practicing with weapons, right? So they gave me this, I guess it was a rifle, and I, I'm, I'm really going on memory now, and I know I let it slip. It was kind of heavy. Oh, boy. I, I let it slip into the dirt. It got dirt, dirt in it, and so the guy that was running the show just came over and gave me a tongue lashing. That's the last time I've ever picked up a gun. <laughs> How old were you in the Boy Scouts? I, the Boy Scout camp. I don't know what I was like, ten, eleven. I don't know. 12. They gave you. It was a loaded gun. Yeah, I guess. I First time you ever touched one. Yeah, and the last. What? You sure it wasn't a BB gun? It was not. No, it we were out there. It was target practice. No. Well, you could do that with BBs. It seems no. a little extreme. You're going to give a 10-year-old who's never had any. Uh, Maybe I was older. I just I just remember the guy got pretty upset with me. Someone said way back in the heavy. day, Lee was shooting and a flintlock And, of course, it you know, jerked against the shoulder. 
Yeah? Yeah. Have you ever shot one? Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. You, it Michael? wasn't in the Boy Scouts, I can no. assure you. Michael, were you a guy that could go out there and shoot some ducks? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into that kind of thing recently. You want us two to go out as a pair then? Kind of a... That'd be some pair. I wouldn't get it? one free. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind being out there. though. Wyoming's a pretty neat area. And, I'd, you know, I'd love to. I'd love Lee, to go buy out one, there. get one free. He's looking for a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Neil McCready is next, right here on WNSP. Don't miss it. Trevanian, Michael Bronner in the house. We're just proud to be able to be part of this reunion. Why don't you introduce your next guest? Well, I will. Uh, well, I need an update. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not a big baseball guy. Neil, what was the uh, what was the score of the Cubs game last night? I, I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I believe you have the wrong number, sir. Oh no, we always have the right number here. Uh, the Cubs. You know, they're, they're, they're aren't they a major league baseball team? They they play in the postseason a lot. What I, I missed that. No, my, my extended warranty is fine. <laughs> How you been? I'm good. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, Neil McCrady. He covers Ole Miss uh, from from a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He was a co-host here, or a host. I was his co-host here on WNSP. You were his sidekick. I, I've been called worse. I know. Uh, especially when we did the show together. Uh, um, you miss it? You miss radio? I know you do that whole podcast thing. You miss radio. Uh, I sometimes miss radio. Um, I certainly had a good time doing that. Um, I've got eight podcasts in front of me today, so I don't know that I'll have a lot of time to think about missing uh, missing radio today. But yeah, there are times that I miss the – it's kind of different. I think it's different than podcasting. I think in, in some ways it's it's um, it's – it's more fun. Sometimes podcasting, you're just sitting in a room by yourself talking to yourself, and it, you have to really kind of come up with your own energy, your own juice a little bit. And I, I think when you're doing radio, like and I'm, I say this sincerely, I know we always make fun of each other, but you and I had a lot of fun playing off each other, and, and we brought energy to each other. And sometimes you don't have that in, in podcast world. I get my energy from Lee now, so it, it's worked out for everybody. Well, there you go. Lee's, Lee's been doing this a long, long time. I mean, there aren't too many people that, that survive at one radio station for as long as Trevanian has. No no joke. I mean, no, that's pretty, he's, he's right. pretty hell of an accomplishment. Neil, I'm curious, eight podcasts, do you change the subject on each of them, or are they just v- different variations? <sighs> uh, we know, by the way, you are with Rebel Grove. We should mention that. And you cover Ole Miss, and people have told me here in Mobile how much they appreciate what you do for the Rebels. Yeah, I, that's true. I, I cover Ole Miss. Um, I don't know that I do anything for the Rebels. Uh, they they probably would tell you that at, at Ole Miss that I don't do anything for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've covered them for a long time now, longer than I anticipated when I made that move. I figured it would be three, four years. I never would have thought it would be this long. But, um, yeah, we do, do the, the podcasts are no today, and there's some that are different variations on the same topic. But the podcast network that we've built has expanded to where we talk about 
lots of things that have nothing to do with sports at some time. Mm. So uh, I'm even doing a financial podcast, Lee, if that tells you anything. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot there. So, no, it's, it's different topics. I couldn't do eight. I couldn't do eight shows about nothing but college football. I would I would lose my hair and I would lose I would lose my mind and I would start trying to pull out the hair that's long been gone. So uh, yeah, that would I, I can't even the people that do that they just do podcast after podcast after podcast about one subject. All God right. bless them. They, I, they, I give them credit. They have a talent that I don't have. Kudos to you though. Eight in one day. I think I've done two in my lifetime. So let me ask you this. Before we get too far off the rails, uh, Ole Miss taking on Auburn. Um, is the free story being the former coach at Ole Miss much of a deal now? Because I know when he was at Liberty, they played Ole Miss. Is that kind of in the way in the background now? And if you could, just some thoughts on Ole Miss playing Auburn. Yeah, you know, I kind of thought the freeze thing would pop up again and be a, sort of a story this week, and it really hasn't, probably because he – coached against Ole Miss with Liberty a couple of years ago, as you referenced. Um, and as for the game, you know, I kind of thought that the Kiffin thing with Auburn last November would have been a bigger story this week, and it really has almost been a non-story here. I don't know whether that's a reflection on just how tired of it those of us who covered it were after what felt like just a month of that story and then the way that it ended was kind of baffling and then you know kiffin has talked about that uh, with a number of national people he doesn't really talk to local people he just does the national stuff and so he's talked to the national people about that and so i mean it's like whatever whatever story you think happened there you, you you're pretty dug in at this point but i still thought that would be a talking point this week and it hasn't been um instead for Ole Miss, the talking point has been the way the schedule has has fallen out for them after beating LSU, you know, they lost at Alabama and then came back and played LSU in this really dramatic game and won it. And then um, came back in the fourth quarter to beat Arkansas a couple weeks ago. And now they look at their schedule in front of them and, you know, Auburn is 0-3 in the league and Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt and uh, Texas A&M already has three losses and some of the Jimbo Fisher talk has, has already started. And um, then after that, it's, uh, you know, they, they would get a shot at Georgia, and Georgia just lost Brock Bowers. And then after that, it's ULM and a Mississippi State team that doesn't appear to have an identity. And so I, I think they're talking themselves into a, a chance to make a run at 11-1, and one, and who knows what that would mean. Um, do I think they're going 11-1? and one? I don't. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of – that's kind of where more of the, the story has been this week. Be honest, you got that ULM game circled. You've had it circled on that calendar for, for months, years perhaps. Um, you, you want the honest truth on the ULM game? I'm praying that that game is 3 o'clock in the afternoon or later because my son has one of his biggest soccer games of the year that day at home at 1 o'clock, and I really want to be able to go to his soccer game. So I'm, I'm so concerned that that ULM game is going to be at 11 a.m. That's all I can think about with that game. <laughs> so uh, because we're going to go off the rails here, What's the what's the season look like for the Oxford Chargers? <laughs> for the zero people in your audience who care, I, they have a they have a chance to be a really good team. Uh, they they moved up to seven A, and 
they went to the second round of the playoffs last year and, and, and lost to the eventual state champ. And, and um, they, they have a really talented team back. It should be a it should be a really fun year for them. Okay, I'm not going to ask. I, I'm simply asking if you know. I don't need you to ex- actually explain it to me. But do you personally understand the offside rule? Yes. After all these years, I finally do completely understand offsides. I can call it. Oh, wow. Good for you. Uh, well, best of luck to, to young Carson there. Uh, and I, I, I hope all, all good things come to the Chargers. Uh, before, I, I want to get into the Auburn Ole Miss game for sure, but I got to ask you because we have not had you on for a while. Why is it, or do you believe that Lane Kiffin, of all of Nick Saban's assistants, wants that game more than any other former assistant in the history of the world? I know he pokes and he prods and he says all the right things, but you could just see it all over his face. Man, he wants that one so bad and he just can't get it. Yeah, he wants it so very bad. I mean, the, it, it, to, to the point that it is the one game on their schedule yeah. that, that he's different um, and not in a good way. Uh, he, he, he starts acting differently on the Sunday before that game, and he acts differently the entire week. I think he tries not to. I just think it's what happens. I think he really, 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 really wants to win it. Uh, the very best part of Ole Miss's schedule next season is that Arkansas – I mean, not Arkansas, Alabama's not on it. Uh, it, it, it's going. I think it's going to allow him not to have that game that just sort of just glares and, and flashes with big bright lights, and it must look like the Las Vegas Strip in his mind on yeah. on that on the schedule when he looks at it. He just it freaks him out. It's, he's done it kind of three years in a row. I mean, he did the get your popcorn ready thing before they got kind of blown out two years ago, and then last year they played them really really close into the the final couple of minutes of the fourth quarter actually had a chance to win the game first and 10 at the Alabama 13 14 I don't remember and and they couldn't finish it and and they didn't win another game after that and then uh this year he just was weird all week with the social media stuff and now they bounce back from it, and you know when they lost that game, I thought, boy, this LSU thing is going to get weird. And if they lose to LSU this season, could go off the rails. And I think I'm right. I think had they lost to LSU, they would have lost to Arkansas, but they didn't. They kind of got it back together and 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 survived that LSU game, and then came back, like I said, and beat beat Arkansas in the fourth quarter to get that win and go into an open date. Now the Alabama thing's in the past, and he's kind of back to being Lane again. So, but yeah, the Saban thing. And I think it's twofold. I think it's, A, a tremendous amount of respect. And then I think there's a certain part of him that kind of wants some vindication for the way that it ended. I don't know that to be true. I could be completely wrong, but that's kind of what it feels like. But there is no doubt that he has immense respect for Saban and what Saban did for his career. Uh, And I think he... I think he just wants to – it's like a kid in the driveway against his dad. He just wants to beat his dad so bad he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Why don't you turn that mic on there, buddy? There you go. Neil McCready joining us from Herbal Grove. Thinking back to uh, Hugh Freeze's days at Ole Miss and the dynamic offense, are you – Do I have to? Yeah, <laughs> just a okay. little bit. You said I, pro- I, have, I have tried to forget a lot All of right. Well, let's just let's, uh, move forward. Are you surprised at how inept – the Auburn offenses these days? Um, a little bit. You know, I don't know all of the details of their personnel. Um, look, it's a quarterback game, guys. I mean, it's, it's a quarterback game at the high school level, at the college level, at the NFL level. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't, it's hard. 
there's a cliche that sticks around throughout time. If you have two quarterbacks, it means you don't have one. And when you're still trying to figure out who your quarterback is in the middle of October, that's typically a problem. And I think that's their problem. I've watched them play, and uh, Thorne has been wildly inconsistent. Ashford doesn't make great decisions. Hugh is not going to play quarterbacks who can't make good decisions. It drives him insane. Their offense is it's predicated on the quarterback making good decisions. And then, you know, they, they – they have some. They, they're able to run the ball. They they just can't. They just can't throw it. And you know, Hughes doing that deal that he did here sometimes, where it's like, well, I'm going to coach the. I'm, I'm going to call the offense, and I'm not going to call the offense. Then I'm going to call the offense, and it it leads to an easy joke about, well, when it works, you called the offense, and when it doesn't, you didn't. And um, but yeah, a little surprised that they have been as inept at times as they've been on offense, but. You know, at, at Ole Miss in his first year, he had Bo Wallace, and Bo was a really good decision-making quarterback and typically got them into the right play and did the right read. And, you know, they had some success that first year, and then they had a lot of success in years two and three um, with Bo and then Chad Kelly. So, so much of it is, so much of it is quarterback-driven, um, and I just don't think he really has a quarterback right now. Have you had uh, Mark on any of your many podcasts yet, or is he still on the list? I've had Mark on before. I almost called him this week, but then you you texted me, and I was like, well, there's no point in repeating it over and over. And to be honest, I'm trying to cram like four and a half days of work into three days, so I, I didn't know what Mark's schedule was. But I need to get Mark on sometime soon and just kind of catch up on the old days again. The, the funny thing is when I do go on his podcast, which I've been on a couple times, he asked me the same exact questions that – Lee asks all the time. It's like it's like doing the show all over again. It's crazy. I, I, I half expected Neil to break out into a scoreboard midway through the podcast. <laughs> Neil, correct me if I'm wrong. I know yeah, Mark jumped me. on your case about the Cubs, but didn't the Cubs double-A team win some championship? I oh, thought, there you go. Let's hang our hat on this one. Yeah. I yeah, thought I Lee, saw that. Lee, I celebrated that Southern League title. I mean, in a way, <laughs> it was emotional. When that final out came and that night and, and – um, Wherever the hell it was, it was it was so exciting. Yeah, you were so drunk you don't remember where it was. You know that made up for the disaster of September that that the Cubs had, and made up for me having to watch Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos um, lead Philadelphia to the precipice of yet another World Series. Yeah, that that Southern that Southern League title. Woo, yeah, I did it. That in the in the Oxford Chargers freshman team taking district or whatever it is you guys do in Mississippi, right? <laughs> Hey, he's a junior now. He's on the varsity. He's, he's, he started. He's, he played varsity as a freshman. Started as a sophomore. We're way, we're way past the freshman team, buddy. So he got uh. So he got all the athletic ability from Laura, then, right? Yes, thank God. Yeah. Yes, he absolutely, he absolutely got Laura's athletic ability, and uh, even even more fortunate for him because the soccer thing will eventually end. He looks like her, which is a, a, a very a very positive development for his for his future endeavors, I'm guessing. You don't got to tell me, man. I had to do radio with you for years. Hey, I know. Uh, I know. That was back in my fat days. So yeah, it was really, yeah. really rough for your eyes. I still tell people all the time, you're, you're half the man today you used to be. Uh, and they believe me, too. So uh, almost, <laughs> almost literally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That, hey. was, that was a lot of way to go. Yeah, those were good times. Hey, man, it's great to catch up with you. I hope you and Laura and all the kids are doing well. Um, tell folks how they can uh, 
follow your coverage of all things Ole Miss as they prepare for Auburn, sir. Yeah, well, uh, rebelgrove.com is the website, part of the Rivals Network, uh, where the price never changes. It's the exact same price today as it was during the Madison administration. So we're inflation-proof. <laughs> we're the only thing We're the only thing in society right now that is inflation-proof. The Rivals.com will never change. It will always be the same price. And um, my podcast network is MPW, MPW Digital, and you can we live stream um, a lot of stuff on podcasts wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. We're there. Hey man, good catching up. Take care. We'll talk soon. Good talking to you guys. Take care. That's Neil McCready, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're gonna come back. Uh, we're gonna call an audible here. Uh, we have the athletic director at South Alabama who's gonna join us next, uh, Joel Erdman. After just a I mean, I, I don't even have a, I don't even have an adjective to what happened last night. Should be illegal to do that to another football team. But we'll talk about it next with Joel Erdman. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, 7.51, here we go. Some fried deliciousness for the folks. All right, the other day I, I told you that Bryce Harper homered on his 31st birthday. He was only the, I guess, fourth player ever to homer in a postseason game on his birthday, but there's only been one player, Mark, that's ever hit two home runs on his birthday. I'm going to give four names out here. One of those four is the answer. Bryce Harper, Reggie Jackson, Willie Aiken, Evan Longoria. Call uh, Michael Bronner and tell him which of those four hit two home runs on his birthday in a postseason game. You get the Chick-fil-A. I really appreciate uh, Dr. Joel Erdman joining us, the athletic director of South Alabama at such late notice. I didn't know going into last night's game, Joel, that you guys were going to win 55-3 to and other issues came up during the evening. I don't know if I'll have time to get to it, but congratulations to you and the program. And, and what did it mean on national TV for the spectacle that we saw last night? Well, uh, listen, I, I appreciate you having me, Lee and, and Mark. Um, you know, the the team played so well and the, the coaches coached so well. I mean, we you 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 continue what began in Monroe last week, uh, take advantage of a little extra rest, right? And play on a Tuesday night, which sometimes can be a little awkward and the the kids came out with great energy, with great focus, um, with great intent and uh, really played well, really did. Offensively, defensively, special teams, the whole nine yards. Um, had great energy in Hancock Whitney Stadium. Had a great crowd. Had a, a, an amazing student section. So it was, um, you know, it, 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 I think it, it was a tremendous visual that had a lot of impact nationally for the university uh, and the city of Mobile with that prime time slot so um it was it was a very a very special night uh, uh, i think we took advantage of an opportunity and we need to continue to do so uh let, let me let me translate for all you people uh that was a ass kicking of epic proportions is, is, is that about to sum it up <laughs> well you know i i 
Um, <laughs> we played very, very well. You know, we just did. And there, there are always two sides to the coin, and I have a great deal of respect for Southern Miss and their leadership and their coaches and their student-athletes and their university. They're a very proud university, and rightfully so. And, and we've got a great a great rivalry in all our sports. Um, but, yeah, we, we played really well, and, and I don't know what more we could have asked of the kids. Absolutely. Joe, let me ask you, you've seen a lot of games over your years as athletic director or the North Alabama Southeast or whatever. Have you ever seen a, a, a team, and I'm talking about the Jags, dominate in the trenches and run the ball as well as they did? It just seemed like Southern Miss couldn't make tackles at all, and the, the holes were gigantic, and the disparity in, in yardage, what, 650 to about 150? I've, uh, that doesn't happen very often. Right. You know, and I I truly believe what what you're seeing is is the fruit of the labor, you know, several years ago, working hard in the recruiting process, um, taking advantage of of our campus, our our community, and and opening people's eyes who are talented and at a level they need to be to help us get to where we want to go uh, because we've got some very special, talented young men running around out there and, and in all our sports. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we have hit patches of sputtering a little bit this year, um, but you could also see um, stretches where we might be pretty darn good. And the last two weeks, um, you know, Monroe, we, we, we did similar, respectfully speaking. Uh, and the week before, they took app to the last minute of the game. And this past week, they had the lead, I believe, in the fourth quarter out in San Marcos, Texas State. So, you know, Mon- Monroe is, is a good team, and, and we, we controlled the line of scrimmage. Our, our running backs kind of ran wild, not, not in a disrespectful way, but they, we ran pretty well. And then last night, our offensive line and our defensive line um, both performed at a high level. And, oh, by the way, we got pretty darn good offensive running backs. And, and oh, by the way, we got pretty good linebackers and D-backs. So, I mean, you, you have that combination of, of up-front ability um, backed up with the people behind them. So, you know, we've, we've strung two real good games back-to-back. And uh, Louisiana is going to be a great game a week from Saturday. I encourage people to come out to campus in Hancock-Whitney Stadium. They're traditionally very good, and they're tough, and they're gritty. And, uh, you know, the last five games of the regular season are all very challenging. And, and three of those five are here in town. So I would encourage people to come on out, support your team, and cheer on the Jags. Uh, we only have about a minute left with South Alabama AD Joel Erdman. Any plans moving forward to place billboards in the Hattiesburg area? You know, I, not not from our standpoint in athletics, but from a student recruitment standpoint, you never know. You know, we, <laughs> we do all we can to help student recruitment. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough battle, too, whether you're recruiting for – a sports team or recruiting for a, an academic major, it's a, it's a competitive world out there. All right, fair enough. Uh, I, I mean, I threw you a softball. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a baseball guy. I threw you a softball. I, I figured you'd just clear the fences. I mean, clear the bases in one swing, and I, you just didn't do it. 
Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta be, be careful with what I say sometimes. All right. Well, here we'll spitball some ideas and we'll run them by you next time you come on. Just some marketing ideas, right. like, welcome to the Hub Sounds City good. where, where football is optional. Joel, I mean, it's just an idea. <laughs> Joel, it's been uh, a pretty good run for you. you did these two games, and then your Minnesota Twins at least won a postseason game. So things looking up. It, it really is. You know, the, the, the Twins made it and 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 it advanced. Uh, you know, I do. I would like to just briefly give a shout out about our volleyball program and our women's soccer program. Women's soccer is in the top 25 right now, and our volleyball program is undefeated in the league. Both are in first place in the division and and look to be contenders for a Sun Belt championship. So. Uh, the fall is being pretty good to us right now. Hey, Joel, thank you so much. How about Kane is able, even if your football team isn't? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say a word. You're okay. A good man. Fair enough. Hey, man, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Congrats on the win again, and we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, fellas. Yep. It's Joel Urban, the South Alabama Athletic Director. When we come back, the voice of the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart, and uh, – my colleague over at AL.com at 8.30, Craig Stevenson, he covered the South game. Absolute just demolition. Hour number three should be a good one. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee Bronner, right here on the sports station WNSP. And every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, we're so privileged to have uh, one of the voices of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart, joining us. Uh, thanks to Dex Imaging. And Chris, good morning, my friend. How you doing? Man, I'm good. Uh, it's kind of weird. We're playing Tennessee in Tuscaloosa this weekend, but I am waking up in Knoxville, Tennessee this morning. You're doing. You're in Knoxville. I'm in Knoxville. Yeah. No, Have you been traded? No, that's Have not you? True. Did you enter I the actually, portal? Uh, did you enter, uh, enter the came, portal? No, uh, I came to. Uh, I'm doing. I call it missionary work. I'm. Uh, I'm speaking <laughs> to. Uh, I'm speaking to the Alabama alumni, or I did last night uh, here in in Knoxville. They got one of the the uh, most heavily involved alumni chapters in the country. Uh, out-of-state chapters in Knoxville, Tennessee, and had a great turnout last night, a really good time. It's, uh, let me tell you what, see it, being on the river and and seeing all of that and not having to uh, go to a game in, in Neyland Stadium, is a, it's a wonderful way to come to Knoxville. So well, I let me ask enjoy you this. it, had a good time, and they're ready to not hear from the people that they live next door to and across the street from and go to work with and go to church with. They're they're ready to uh, see Alabama get things back as it was for 16 straight years before all of that happened last year. All right. Do you have to be very careful, though? Because you know how these functions go. Uh, coaches, maybe media members like to make jokes or something like that, hoping, you know, that it's even in this day and age of 
social media that it doesn't get out and that maybe uh, a Tennessee fan infiltrates that trying to get a maybe something to put on the billboard? Do you have to be aware of that or be careful? No, because if Tennessee's worried about something that I says, then we got them right where we want them. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, they're, if they're worried about the radio guy, then then they've really got some issues. But, uh, no, it's it's an Alabama group that I was speaking to last night, and they were uh, they were kind. There was actually a, a Vol friend of theirs or two, but I was – I didn't have a I didn't have a whole lot of uh, trash talking to do last night. When you lose, you gotta uh, you gotta keep your mouth shut until you get back in the wind column. So I was somewhat reserved, even for me. What am I gonna say that's worse than what you hear me say every week? Come on, you guys have been around me. Yeah, I know, but still, you never know. Like I say, somebody gets in there and tries to bait you or something like that. What was the What was the best question that was asked of you yesterday? You know, the best move I made was not taking questions, Lee. It was the <laughs> fact that I uh, I actually, I know this will shock you, I talked so long they didn't get to ask me questions. So I uh, I just spoke to spoke to the group and really kind of, I talked a little football, but um, kind of my experience of, you know, growing up a Bama fan and getting to know all the guys that um, were, uh, preceding me as broadcasters, John and, and Paul and, and Eli, and how fortunate I am that I get to do what I do. It's basically stories that I've shared with y'all, but um, talked a lot about that and, and how special it, it is for me to, to be in the spot that I'm in. And then uh, I looked up and it was 30 minutes and I chewed up my time. I said, y'all are going to talk to me when we're over with anyway, so just ask me your questions when we're, when we're wrapping up. So that's what we did. What's the uh, best, speaking of headline-grabbing material, what's the best Tennessee joke you've ever told or heard? Oh, uh, you know what? I don't have to tell Tennessee <laughs> joke. Um, I think if I, sh- I probably have shared with y'all about, um, you know, we, we beat them. I forgot what year it was, but it was, it was the seventh straight win over Tennessee. And we're doing Coach Saban's TV show, and we're going to take the segment coming out of the the, the fourth or the second half highlights. And Coach goes, what are we going to talk about here? And this was back when Tom Roberts was still producing the show. And Tom would rather beat Tennessee than breathe. I mean, just, <laughs> he, he can't. Tom, Tom was notorious, and I will, I will uh, be minimal in my comments. Uh, in order to protect his reputation and also understand that we have a diverse audience here, I will simply say that Tom would stop at the first rest stop just across the Tennessee state line every time he went to Tennessee. And you can draw your own conclusions from there as to why. Hmm. And I'll just leave that. So that's the level of dislike that Tom had for University of Tennessee. Does um, <laughs> blink if it was a pit stop? Um. So we would uh, we would uh, we did the show and Tom's the producer and Coach says what are we going to talk about here and Tom says well Coach that's your seventh straight win against the Vols well Coach leans back puts his hands under his arms which means he's not thrilled and uh, he said well I'm not going to say that and I don't know why but I said well can I say it and he goes well I'm not going to say it and I took that to mean yeah, you can say it. Well, about that time, Jeff Purinson, who was still uh, in Tuscaloosa with us, he's now the AD at Arkansas State, but 
he was coach's media contact at the time. And Jeff, um, Jeff says, well, Coach, Kevin Norwood had six catches. We had this, we had this, we had this. And, and Coach puts his hands up and says, I got it, I got it. He goes, and he doesn't even look at me. He just kind of gestures towards me. He goes, you say whatever it is you're going to say, and then I'll ignore your ass, and then I'll say what I'm going to say. <laughs> and there's only about seven or eight of us in the room, and, uh, and, and everybody laughed. And I said, so, Coach, it's basically like every other show. He goes, yeah, pretty much. And I said, all right. So we, sure enough, we came out of the segment, and I said, congratulations. It's, uh, you know, win that seven straight over Tennessee. And he ignored my ass, and he went right into uh, what he wanted to say about the, the game and Norwood and the catches and everything. So it was pretty funny, and I didn't I didn't waste any time the next year. I just started it off um, when we did the TV show. I said, welcome into another edition of the Nick Saban Show, along with the head coach of the Crimson Tide. I'm Chris Stewart. Coach, congratulations on the 40-whatever to 14 win over the Vols, you're eight straight now in the series against Tennessee. And he ignored me, and he went right on into what he wanted to say. We get to the end of the show, and I mention it again, and we finish, he takes his mic off, he hands it to Tom, and he goes, Tom's that ever been done here before? And Tom didn't really know what he meant. He said, excuse me? And Coach said, eight straight over Tennessee. And Tom had to tell him, yeah, Coach, and Coach Bryant won 10 straight. Oh. He looked kind of like a he looked kind of like a whip puppy for a second, and he uh, and he started to walk off. And I grabbed Coach by the arm. I don't still to this day can't believe I did it, but I grabbed him by the arm. I said, "Hey, Coach," I said, "That's okay. You see these big old video boards they've got up here in Neyland Stadium?" I said, "Every dead ball they kept showing highlights of great Tennessee wins over Alabama." I said, "That's what they showed all night long till the fourth quarter when it was obvious." They weren't going to get another one. They kept showing these highlights and great Tennessee wins over Alabama. But guess what, Coach? Not one clip was in HD because it wasn't invented the last time they beat us. And Coach looked at me like I'd lost my mind, and I thought for a second I'd lost my job. Yeah. And then he busted out in the biggest laugh I've ever seen him have. And he looked at me, and he just grinned, shook his head, and walked off. And I thought, I don't need a cigar. I got my W right there. Chris, does so the there are now clip there are now clips in HD of Tennessee beating Alabama, and they're all from last year. Does the Alabama Tennessee rivalry, in your mind, as an individual rival, Alabama Auburn? I mean, do you? Uh, not. Re- I will say this: it probably doesn't for people younger than I am, and I'm 53 now. But people that are, I'll say. 40 and younger, it probably doesn't resonate at the same level. Um, it, it matters in a big way. I don't care how many in a row we won over them. It matters a lot. And I'll tell you, for those of us that were around and remember Philip Former's involvement, look, Alabama was put on probation, and, and um, we all know that history. We all know the story behind it. Uh, but but it is very much of the belief and the opinion that, that Philip Fulmer played a very prominent role in how that all went down. And there's an extreme dislike among people who are around during that time and remember um, vividly uh, his role in that. And so there will always be, you know, 16 was not enough in a row for it to, you know, to, to get the uh, – the pound of flesh, if you will, uh, extracted for, for what a lot of Bama people feel like was done. And 
And so I think that's why they're even hungrier to see uh, it get back on the right side of the rivalry and light up the cigar. That was a very kind gift that I was given last night by the alumni chapter to get me ready. Wow. I was presented a cigar to, in preparation for Saturday, and I certainly hope I get to light it up. He's Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Before I let you go, I have to believe you're like me and a lot of a lot like a lot of other people uh, in in this in this state. You never really visualized a gnat on a cow's ass until last Saturday. No, uh, or a gnat on a fly's ass, which would have been cooler at first. Yeah, yeah. that uh, it, but eventually got to it, and uh, no, but it is an analogy that I can that we all, if you're from the South and whether you grew up on a farm or not. You can uh, certainly understand where he was going with it, but um, yeah, he's he's had some zingers over the years, man. He's had some good ones for somebody that that has the reputation uh, unfairly of of not being media friendly. He has sure given some great stuff to the media over the 17 years now at University of Alabama. That's for sure. You know, Chris, I, I also with the schedule makers still pondering uh are you very hopeful they maintain the third week in october for alabama and tennessee oh, yeah once these sc- yeah, the schedules come out yeah i i really do I, I will say this and i'm probably in the minority in this regard um alabama tennessee still means more to me than than alabama lsu even though it has had more uh in the last 20 25 years it's had more relevance in terms of the national championship picture in the western division race if I'm if I'm forced to pick one over the other, I'd take the Tennessee rivalry. Um, I just would, and I I would uh, I hope it doesn't go anywhere. And certainly Auburn is where it starts. You don't want to see that go away. But um, Tennessee is next for me. It really is, and uh, I just think it makes too much sense. And and would hate to see that uh, become extinct in something that happens uh, once every three, four, five years, whatever the number would be, that to me needs to be an annual thing that doesn't get changed. Chris, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, do you want to give us the, the the patented Chris Stewart, let's get out of here since we're out of time, or do we just yeah, save that for no. game days? Um, I, I had I, I had the privilege of uh, visiting with a little church in, in McCulloch uh, um, near Bessemer on Monday, and uh, – I spoke first, and then a guy named Ted Trailer, who's a pastor down in Pensacola, was, was speaking at this same event after me. And he finished up, and he said, words of Chris Stewart, let's get out of here. And I thought, man, uh, something has something has really gone uh, yeah. big if you got a Southern Baptist preacher using it from the pulpit. So I was honored then. I'm honored now. And, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. Hey, appreciate man. you guys. We appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll be in touch. Y'all see. Thanks so much. That's Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Scoreboard, traffic, and weather are next. Indeed, they are. Uh, Craig Stevenson, my colleague over at AL.com, he covers South Alabama. He will will talk about that butt-kicking coming up at 8.30. Continue with your comments, the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. All right, 
35. Welcome back in. Uh, we'll talk some South with uh, AL.com's Craig Stevenson, my colleague over there at 830. I want to tell you about a cool event coming up. You've heard me talk about it. You got to mark your calendars for the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. It's set for December 6th at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. It's a great event. The Rolling Tigers Booster Club is an organization that supports wheelchair sports at Auburn University. The club was inspired by Mobile's own Dr. Jared Rim, who was born with spinal bifida, became the first wheelchair athlete to compete for Auburn University. And since then, this 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 uh. This team and, of course, this booster club has grown tremendously. So it's a great event. Guys, there's a $10,000 drawdown. How cool is that? Only 300 tickets sold, so you got to get in quick. They sell out. Uh, it's a great event. Catered by Bay Gourmet. It's going to be DJed by our own Matt McCoy. How about that? And the silent auction is what really draws everybody there. Some great, great uh, memorabilia. Some Alabama and Auburn stuff will always be uh, a part of it. We'll tell you uh, as, as that event gets closer, as that stuff starts rolling in. But this year they have the signed soccer ball uh, by Pele. So how cool is that? Uh, and here's the other thing. Coach Rob Taylor, the Auburn wheelchair head basketball coach, will actually be in attendance this year. So you can tell your family and friends it's a great opportunity to meet Coach Taylor. If you need more information, if you'd like to donate something to the silent auction, or if you need tickets, call Dr. Mike Rim. Here's his number, pen and paper. Ready? 232-4753. That's 232-4753. It's the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash set for December 6th right here in Mobile. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. It's a great event. A couple of NFL notes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville quarterback says he's improving rapidly, expects to play against the Saints tomorrow night in the prime game, the Amazon game in New Orleans. And NFL is reportedly looking now to host a 2024 game in either Madrid or Brazil. Now, this year, they got a bunch of games in London, a couple in Germany. So this is Brazil. London will again host games next year while Munich will re-enter the rotation. And I keep thinking, what, what that is... That my Fast and Furious, That's all right. Uh, what is the NFL up to? Are they looking to put a, a lot more games this year in, in Europe? And now they want to expand either Brazil or... Yeah, Madrid. I mean, they're just... It's kind of like college conference realignment. They're just expanding the footprint. I don't think there's any, any long-term plan to put teams over there. But you open up that, that marketing audience right you want people to buy jerseys you want people to love the game there that you want them to buy the nfl package it's it's great in theory i understand the marketing of it all but at what point is enough enough i am so for, for sick guys, of the london game right man. of going over there and getting all out of whack and then having to come back and us having to get up early to watch it like, like what are we every week yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's cool when it's once a year yeah it's lost it's luster yeah you're you're right I'm but so clearly over it Clearly, something's working because they continue to do it. So they're they're seeing the benefits certainly seem to outweigh, you know, Bronner's negative comments about it. Again, I mean, for, you look at it from lining the NFL's pockets perspective. I'm sure it's great from the fan yeah. from the fan in America's perspective. Here's it's the, not great. How about this? Down the road, the question's been raised. They're not answering. They shy away from it. Will there ever be a Super Bowl in Europe? Yeah. Terrible. Well, you, you promote for the for the fans you want, not the ones you have, right? The NFL has proven over the years you're never going to lose NFL fans, at least not in dramatic numbers. All you can do is gain them at this point. So you promote for the ones you want, not the ones you have. Craig Stevenson is next. Stay with us. WNSP.
8.32 here on a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us. It's been a good one today, as always. Continue with those comments in the app at WNSP.com. Always good times. All right, let's talk South Alabama and their win over Southern Miss. Uh, we're hoping to get Craig Stevenson. He covers uh, the Jags for AL.com. He's on the line with me right now. Craig, good morning. How are you today? Hey, Lee. Good, uh, good talk to you. Thank you very much. Okay, I want to word this question properly. Always, when you get a game like this, there's the proverbial question, is South that good or Southern Miss that bad? And I don't want to take anything away from Southern Miss because they scored 55 points their last game. But is this the Southern Miss defense that I was watching yesterday, as you did yesterday and reporting on it, that bad this year that teams just run all over them like that? I can't ever recall a Southern Miss team being that bad on defense. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. You know, South Alabama is definitely playing really well. Obviously, they did pretty much the same thing to ULM last, you know, last time out. But ULM's pretty bad, too. So I, I think we can kind of take a wait-and-see approach on South Alabama. You know, until uh, they get down the stretch, they play Louisiana and Troy the next two, which those will be good tests for that. But, yeah, Southern Miss is in a really bad way. Um, you know, kind of surprised. I thought Will Hall was a really good hire when they made it. He's a guy that had some success at lower levels, was a good offensive coordinator at Tulane, had ties in the state of Mississippi. And uh, But the, for whatever reason, they have just not gotten it together. And, I, you know, you, almost, you hate to say it, but it almost seemed like they were quitting last night, you know, and uh, I don't know that the future uh, is very, very long or very bright for Will Hall at Southern Miss, unfortunately, because that was one of the worst uh, uh, Sunbelt teams, you know, I've seen in a long time the way they played last night. And the broadcaster said, but they didn't name names, they said they were missing a few players on defense. Was that the case, that they've had a lot of injuries there, that that, that they're they're opening up truck holes against that defense? That is true. That uh, especially, I think at cornerback, they were part. They had uh, moved two receivers over to the cornerback position, and one of those guys ended up having to play a lot last night. But you know, Sam Alabama was still running all over them. I think the bigger issue was uh, their linebackers, in particular, looked kind of slow. Um, you know, and once South Alabama got to the second level on them, it was over. But you know what? They didn't. They didn't do anything offensively either, which. You know, you always it's always worrisome when a guy that is considered an offensive uh, coordinator, quarterback, coach has so much trouble developing a quarterback, and that has been the case with Will Hall at Southern Miss in his three years there. They really put the clamps on Frank Gore Jr. He's a pretty good running back. Yeah. He's had some big games, but he couldn't find any daylight at all. That's true. You know, South Alabama's done a good job against him in his career. I didn't update the stats after last night, but I know the first three times they faced him, he only averaged about three and a half yards a carry. You know, he did have a touchdown pass in the game last year, which was a big play. But overall, they've really kind of bottled bottled uh, him up in his career for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, they, of course, you know, the way they couldn't throw the ball, they became, you know, Gore was pretty easy to key on. Craig Stevenson, our guest here on WNSP. So you've covered this team for a while. Is this the mo- most complete ass-kicking you've seen? I know they put up a bunch of points last week, but is this the most complete uh, one? Yeah, I would say I think between the two games for sure, um, you know, they, they, they pulled the starters in the third quarter last night. I think up to that point uh, they had scored on eight of nine possessions. Uh, they missed a field goal last week. They scored on nine of ten possessions and missed a field goal. So, you know, just just uh, thoroughly dominant. Again, I, you know, I do want to say, I think ULM and Southern Miss maybe the two worst teams in the yeah, Sun Belt. Yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of, but but in terms of 
hey, we beat a team we were supposed to beat exactly like we wanted to beat them, I think you could not be anything more than satisfied. Talking with Craig Stevenson, AL.com, covers the uh, South Alabama Jags. I asked a hypothetical question. Mark said, save it for Craig. Playing like they did last <laughs> night, totally hypothetical. Yeah. Playing like they did yeah. last night, could they beat the Auburn team of today? Oh, man. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I mean, if they played like they did last night, maybe. But, no, I would, I would – I, I've fallen into that trap before. Uh, where you think, well, maybe this team could compete on that level, and then they go and play somebody on that level, and they get roasted. But, you know, based on uh, – Oklahoma State looks to be a pretty okay team, you know, be, better than what we thought when they played South Alabama. So maybe – I don't know if they do it in Jordan-Hare, but, yeah, you play them in a, a you know Birmingham Bowl or something like that, maybe. Isn't Auburn on the schedule either next year or the year after? 2025, yeah, right. at okay. Auburn. Um, you know, there was some talk that some of those games were going to go away because of the SEC modifying its schedule, but based on what I have been told, that game is going to happen. Um, you know, the home and home against Ole Miss down the road, uh, maybe that might get moved around, I think, but, I, you know, the, the Auburn uh, game is going to happen to my knowledge. Hey, uh, Dorian Smith, uh, that that was a really cool moment when he scored. Um he looked great. Yeah. Um, you know, Gio Lopez looked like, I mean, he looked like Mike Vick out there for a bit. I mean, it just, it seemed like every time they brought somebody else in, they were either quicker or, or, or faster. I mean, it just, they just kept coming off the bench, man. Yeah. Dorian Smith, uh, that was one of, you know, I've been covering this team for nine years and that was one of the first times I have seen a big play by somebody that said, who is that? Yeah. You know, because I had to actually look at the roster. I remember, you know, he, he obviously he's been on the team all year. He played in some of the scrimmages and, and did okay. But it's like 33 just did not register immediately uh, in my, you know, Rolodex in my head. Now, Gio Lopez, yeah, that, you know, I was, he, he played uh, against ULM a good bit last week too. Uh, you know, that looks, the future looks pretty bright at that position. I, I will, you know, they, the one thing they have lacked, uh, is a guy that is a true dual threat. They've had some guys that could run and some guys that could pass, and obviously Carter Bradley's as good as anybody throwing the ball, but they don't have a running threat at quarterback, and I think to win big at the college level, you probably need that in this day and age. And, and you know, Gio Lopez, you know, being a true freshman, uh, looks like he's got that uh, dimension to his game. It'll be interesting to see how he develops, you know, next year because he's probably going to be the starter next year. All right, Dallas Cowboys receiver Jalen Tolbert was interviewed during the game, and he, he talked a lot about Colin Lacey. Is Colin Lacey at the same stage where Jalen Tolbert was when he was at South Alabama, meeting, meaning is he on the verge of, you know, getting a, a, a being drafted, or does he have that potential to go where Tolbert did? I think, you know, he's on the senior bowl watch list. They don't just put anybody on there. So, yes, I definitely think he's on the pro radar. In terms of being drafted, I don't really know. But one thing for him is he's faster than Tolbert, I would say. Um, he's not as big. He's only about 5'10". So, obviously, there's some, you know, some teams may cross him off because of that. But, uh, you know, for a guy that was a running back in high school, very rarely caught the football. Uh, he's developed into a real weapon. And, you know, they've had a good run of those guys. Obviously, Kawan Baker before Tolbert and then Tolbert and Jalen Wayne. And you know, Devin Voison had a great year last year and was on his way to another one before he got hurt this year. But, yeah, he is, he's really impressed me because I figured once Voison got hurt, it was going to be really hard for him to operate. But it has not happened so far. Six straight 100-yard games is a school record. So, uh, yeah, I've been impressed with the guy for sure. 
He's Craig Stevenson. He covers South Alabama for AL.com. You can follow him on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it, at Craig Stevenson. That's C-R-E-G, by the way. Uh, we had Joel Erdman on for a, a couple minutes earlier today. I asked him if he had any plans of putting up any billboards in the Hub City. He, he laughed. Uh, he refused uh, to really – he took the high road there, Craig. I offered some, some, some quips, some sayings some promotional uh, material to put on said billboards. He didn't bite. Yeah, well, that, yeah, well, here's the thing. You know, when I went, they had their press conference, because yeah, it's kind of a weird week because of the Tuesday night game. So they had their press conference last Wednesday. And when I walk, they, they hold their press conferences in the team meeting room. Yeah. So when I was walking in, they had, you know, somebody had taken a photo of those billboards and put them on the door. And I was like, okay, yeah, they're trying to hire up the players. I understand. And then I just kind of forgot about it. Last night at the press conference, Womack, you know, we got done, and Womack unsolicited went into that yeah. monologue about it. And uh, it was uh, it was something. I was, uh, you know, kind of surprised by it. But, you know, I think he took it personally because this is on the monitor for one thing. And obviously, they've been big about trying to build the culture of the city of Mobile and be Mobile's team and all that kind of stuff. So, whatever it takes, you know, it's fun. Obviously, it made for a nice story for me. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised when he did it, but it's not like it was an accident. It's not like he was pushed into making that comment. He did it totally on his own, and uh, you know, more power to him. I think that uh, he's trying to galvanize the fan base, and that's one way to do it. Craig, uh, your opinion on where the Jags stack up in the uh, Sun Belt West? Do they have a chance to uh, finish first? Oh, for sure. I mean, the next two games against Louisiana and Troy, those are probably, you know, right there in the mix with them. Um, you know, that game at Troy, November, what is it, 4th, November 2nd, whatever that Thursday night is, is going to be huge. And Troy has, you know, I think people thought Troy would take a step back this year because of all the personnel they lost, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But they're just as good this year, if not better. Uh, their defensive line and their secondary is really Really, really good, and they've started to throw the ball with authority. Kamani Vidal is as good a running back as anybody in the conference. So uh, that's going to be a war. I think that uh, they've got a chance. I wouldn't call them the favorite right now. I think Troy's still kind of holding the cards there because they have that game against South Alabama at home. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely in the mix. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, playing in the Sun Belt Conference championship game. And if you know if things break right, they could host that game. So that would be something. All right, Craig. I got a question from one of our listeners in the app. Wants to know if Kane wins out, is he at is he at South next year? Wins out. That, so that includes winning the Sun Belt title and a bowl game. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, it's possible, but I think that that would be a really strike while the iron is hot opportunity. I think it kind of depends on what kind of jobs come open. I think if you know Arkansas Pittman's starting to look a little bit vulnerable at Arkansas. Yeah. Kane started his career at at Arkansas as a player. He uh, graduated from Fayetteville High School, so I think that's one that I would really keep an eye on. I think you know Ole Miss. He has some ties there. If Kiffin decides to move on wherever that is, although I don't think he would leave Ole Miss for anywhere but Alabama. But um, those are a couple to keep an eye on. So, you know, if he finishes, so what are they, four and three? If they finish 11 and three, I guess that would be. Uh, no, I don't think he's at South Alabama next year. Now, the question is, is Major Applewhite at South Alabama next year? Ah. How would you rate yeah. the Sunbelt Conference this year? You know, in the past, they've gotten a lot of hype with some big wins over, you know, teams that are, are 
Power Five teams. I haven't really kept uh, pace this year to to see how they've done in that regard. But is this conference still considered uh, one of the better non-Power Five uh, conferences? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they've had some big wins this year. Um, you know, South at Oklahoma State is one. James Madison beat kind of a bad Virginia team. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm drawing a blank. There have been a couple of other though. Uh, oh, Texas State beat Baylor. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Sun Belt's pretty strong. You know, the, it really hurts that James Madison is you know, still in their transition period, not eligible to play for the championship, not eligible to play in a bowl game, because I think they're going to go undefeated. Um, you know, they, so that that hurts from a national profile a little bit. But, yeah, there's some quality teams for sure. You know, Troy, South Alabama, uh, Marshall is solid. Um, Georgia State's having a good year. You know, a couple of teams like App State's kind of taking a step back, so that's hurt a little bit. But uh, Texas State is coming on a little bit. So, yeah, it, it's I, you know, I think the Mountain West it appears to be the best uh, non-Power 5 conference this, uh, this year, just based on what I've seen so far. But I think the Sun Belt's right there. Man, you had last weekend off. You got this weekend off. Do you even cover college football anymore, Craig? I'm telling you, man, it's, like, it's a weird deal. It's like three games in a 20 20- in a 33 game span or something like that. It, it just totally messes with your schedule. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I do like being able to kind of stay around the house and watch everybody on Saturday. That's been pretty good. All right. So before I let you go, so this is what I pitched Joel. He just kind of giggled. Uh, I went, um, uh, welcome to the hub city where football is optional. Uh, <laughs> and I went, I went with the program. I went, Kane is able, even if your team isn't, what oh, do you think? Yeah. So that's good. That's good. See, you're doing, you can at least make bumper stickers, Mark. I mean, and, or, or T-shirts and sell them outside the stadium. I did say, uh, you know, <laughs> along those lines, a guy that's a South Alabama fan that I know said, "Forget about Southern Miss. Let's buy some ULL billboards in Mobile because <laughs> that's the next opponent." You know, yeah. so uh, you know that might be the way to go. See, we're idea guys. That we're like yeah. we're like Owen Wilson and Wedding Crashers. I'm an idea guy, and and that's uh, I'm just not being used properly. Hey, uh, Craig, tell everybody uh, how they continue to follow your coverage of South Alabama football and all athletics for that matter. Yeah, al.com/usa is uh, is the South Alabama page on al.com, and then yeah, as you mentioned on Twitter at Craig Stevenson, C R E G S T E P H E N S O N. For the record, my rundown sheet this morning, I know this is shocking to you, has you down at C-R-A-I-G-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not surprised by that. I get mail for that guy all the time. Yeah. You know, I I, uh, I asked somebody one time, so does this mean, you know, I got this bill with uh, my name spelled C-R-A-R-G. Uh, does that mean that I don't have to pay it? And they said, no, it's, it's tied to your Social Security number, so yeah, what you can do. Well, he's a real popular guy in this area, so uh, more popular yeah. than you sometimes. Hey, man, appreciate it. Good catching up. Thanks for everything. All right, guys. Talk to you later. That's Craig Stevenson, ladies and gentlemen. One final segment of the day. You guys can jump in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner right here on the Sports Station. Uh, we'll set the table for our Thursday edition as well. We're on the road uh, on Friday. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys. We've talked to everybody else today. Stay with us. This is Joe Espada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT.
there's some people, and I won't name names, but you know, his his I'll say this: his name rhymes with like uh, um, Forey Capone. Sometimes it jumps right in and doesn't let the music kind of. You got to wait for it to drop a little bit and it hits that beat. It's all part of the experience. Speaking about lunch, dinner, whatever. If you were, well, you are still okay. coaching, right? You're still coaching. Would you be offended if one of your players was sitting on the bench eating while the game's going on? Yes. Michael Cooper, in his podcast, railed out about LeBron James last Friday during the Lakers Golden State preseason game. Uh, LeBron wasn't going to play in the second half, so he changes, but he sat on the bench eating his dinner. Hmm. What, he, what was he eating? Was it good? Well, I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. I don't I mean, know exactly. I mean, to be fair. He was, instead of being in the locker room eating, he came out during the broadcast sitting on the bench eating his food. I mean, if it's if it's a blowout or it's a guy that's hurt or isn't going back in, I guess I don't have a major problem with it. Uh, if not, Now, if we're, getting, if we're getting blown out, I got a problem with it. If we're doing the blowout, uh, I was going to say, if we're doing the blowing out... <laughs> Pause. Uh, hey, I don't I'm know. It's, on the it's bench. not good. It's not good form. It's not a good look. Hey, hot dog. Yeah. Hey, let me get two. Here. Let me get two of them dogs. Yeah, bring me a beer. Dogs, uh, a beer. It's probably. It's probably. It's. It, it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend Does it. Does he get a, a hall pass because he's LeBron? Of course. No. Of course. Should he though? No. no. We agree. <laughs> he likes to think he does. Oh, here we go. Why hating on LeBron now? You know, if you I mean, hate I, on everything, it becomes white noise. Just a little tidbit. You got to love some stuff. I don't think I'm I think I'm far from the only one to hate on LeBron. That, that's not the point. And I'm not suggesting that you should just make it's like up crying ex- wolf is what Mark's saying. You cry wolf too many times, people ignore you. I mean, I mean not that anybody's ignoring you now or always have have been. I don't hate LeBron. I I think he's a really neat guy and he's <laughs> been an excellent player. Why a neat guy, huh? Yeah. You follow his career at all? Have you read his uh, yes, books about him? Yes, I've followed his career. Guy, first of all, he's very loyal to his friends. He's basically stayed out of trouble. Unless I mean, they can't help him win a title, then no, he, he ships him off to no, Siberia. He, he's, he had a group when he was in high school, and they've all stayed friends, and one's become uh, what the, the, the one of the leading uh, agents. Uh, they, they've been very loyal to him. He's been loyal to them. Uh, growing up as he did, he stayed out of trouble. Uh, you never hear about him getting arrested or doing this or doing that. He, he, he was the fact that he, you know, he came from a fatherless family. He stayed true to his family and his sons and so forth. Now, for for reasons like that, uh, I I really like him. I do. I didn't really mean to make this the LeBron segment. Well, he's the basketball starting up pretty soon, so. Yeah, but we have a rule. We don't talk about basketball until February. Listen, Unless it's people, SEC basketball. Listen. I, I didn't know we had that rule. I don't know. Mark has mentioned that before. It's a, it's an unwritten rule like baseball. Oh, like I we don't, don't Although my unwritten rule about baseball is you just don't talk about it. But with basketball, we typically don't start really getting into heavy NBA talk until Christmas. got like 3 weeks till college this basketball not heavy. season. This, this is just an issue that the former great for the Lakers, Michael Cooper, uh, expressed on podcast. And there have been a couple guys in the NFL that have done this. So I got caught on camera eating a dog. Remember, I can't, who was it? Um, and they had to come out and apologize for it. But no, I mean, it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't endorse it. I wouldn't tell my guys, hey, 
you know, smoke them if you got them. But, you know, if I'm up 30, I'll probably let that go. I, I just thought as a coach, if that would bother you, if one of your kids was on the bench. <laughs> yes, it would. Chowing down a yeah. hot dog while the game is going on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, could you pass that hot dog to me? Let's share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. What do you got cooking for tomorrow, speaking of food? Really super show. Uh, obviously, Paul Feinbaum. That's always good for starters. We have both of the radio play-by-play announcers for the Alabama-Tennessee game. Uh, Eli Gold will be with us at 7.30, and Bob Kessling, very well-known broadcaster for Tennessee. Are we going to play Rocky Top? I typically uh, do that course. this week, and we have not yet done it. Well, when Kessling comes on, for I, sure. I don't know. If, when don't Kessling, know if listen, Bronner, when Kessling Ooh. comes on, yes. Oh, wow. Are you going to run the board? Well, it's going to cost you in your pocket. Ooh, that's you hit him where it counts. Yeah. You hit him where it hurts. Yeah, it'll cost pocket. you with gift cards. There's only one thing Broder wants more than to talk on this show, and that's to get paid. Well, that and the uh, gift cards. I can be bought yeah. with Chick-fil-A. Yeah, the analytics comment has really set you back. I wouldn't go further than I that. I ain't playing Rocky Top for free. That's for the sure. The analytics comment really hit low. You, you you put yourself back on the back burner. You better come forth and do a good job. Tomorrow. I'll have to so, be bought to so play Rocky here's, Top. So here's my thing on Rocky Top. I know it's Alabama okay. fans like yourself can't stand it because of the way it's used, but I, I just like typically it. think it's a good song. Uh, you know I like what? it too. I, I've said this. I've said this about Rocky Top. I'll say this about like Colin Baton Rouge too. You know, objectively, removing Phantom, good songs. Yeah, I really like Colin Baton Rouge. It's a good song. Okay. Uh, but you know, when I was in Baton Rouge watching Alabama lose, you know, last year in in at yep. LSU, and I heard the song twenty five times. That weekend, I never wanted to hear it again. Okay, so can we do this then? As as because I want everybody to get along here. I want you to get your Chick Fil A. I want Lee to get a, his song in. Can we? Can we? If we play Rocky Top for Kessling, what if we play Dixieland Delight for Eli? Yeah, we can. We Is can that work, a good? We can work something out. See? I don't trust him though. I think he would do that, and then here I am trying then, to bridge the gap. Yeah, and you but he sabotage. Blew the whole damn bridge up. He's he like, would, I don't trust he'll, him. He'll still sabotage us at eight thirty. I, I, that's the way Bronner works. He, he takes things too personal. You think I'm way more devious than I am? I think you think take things too personal. You take things way too personal. I get a, a, a team I'm rooting for loses. Five minutes, I forget about it. See, you. I feel like I'm officiating in here. I'm you, trying to bring us together. It sticks with you. And everything's they keep tearing personal. each other apart. Rocky Top shouldn't affect the Alabama-Tennessee game as far as you're concerned. Well, I, I want to smoke my cigar on Saturday night. See if you can you know? find a Dolly Parton version. I'll look for a Dolly Parton version. No, I got to go cigar go shopping tomorrow. What kind of what kind of what kind of cigar are you looking for? Are you looking I for don't a cheap? What are you looking for? Cheap and efficient. Some something to puff on after Bama Beach, Tennessee. <laughs> I, I found it. Dolly Parton. Rocky we don't need Top. the Dolly Parton. <laughs> we want to. We want us. Whatever. Yeah. We'll play multiple versions. I don't know about every that. segment. Yeah. A different version. A different version of Rocky every segment. Top. All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We should flip them. Play Dixie Deland Delight well, how about for Kessling. When Paul comes on because Paul's a Tennessee alum. All great ideas. Till tomorrow at six. See ya.